0: On today's show, we get into the last of the war years and we have a very interesting year to discuss. 1945 is the year of the infamous bloodbath, and we can't wait to get stuck into it. Also, 1945 has a once in a league anomaly that will never happen again. We have a team with a new nickname, possibly one you've never heard of, and we have some new legends of the game making their debuts. One of the expansion teams makes their first finals appearance and we say goodbye to a long list of retirees. All that and more coming up after the song.
1: It's the history of
0: football we knows about And we want to expand what we know We'll become such
2: intelligent gentry With every kick-to-kick kick show Beginning in the time
0: 1870s Right through to the modern day in for Timmy Coops and the, and the to hear what they all have to say. Welcome to the Kick to Kick podcast. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm sitting next to
3: Moz. Hello, Tim. Hello, everyone.
0: Uh, I've got Coops opposite me.
4: Hello. Have an appointment square tonight. Square into my eyes. Yes, <laughs> <That's just laughs> delightful. No, no appointments. Yes, yeah, good to see you. Didn't
0: get your times mixed up. No, no. I'm uh, back. Kazman will be joining us shortly. Um, But welcome to 1945 everyone, a very infamous year in the VFL. Infamous year in the VFL and the world in general. Yes, in the world in general. Um, So yeah, the bloodbath obviously is is what everyone knows about 1945 and we're going to get stuck into that. Mm. But a few bits and pieces before we do. Um, Firstly, um, hello to listeners in the Ukraine, Ah. Egypt, uh, our five, five listeners in unknown region,
3: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Aliens. Yeah, does it map it out
4: no, somewhere? it just says unknown. Um, it's Amelia Earhart in the Bermuda Triangle.
3: Possibly. <laughs>
0: Nor- She's still there. We've had some uh, some downloads in North Carolina, in America. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think we still need to get a Colombian download. So anyone in Colombia will have links or friends. Yeah, get, on get to it. Let's mm. get us a download in Colombia. Um, now, a few other things. Firstly, really good. If you watched the uh, front bar last night, it was good to get a little mention of uh, Dick Condon yeah we're Andy, getting some more, some classics back. Andy Lee yeah. giving a shout out to him so uh, I mean should have mentioned Ivo crap as well but the Dickie Condon
4: um yeah good to see him picture of him on t v one of our one of the all time greats yeah yeah um, front front bars uh is brilliant and they're great at the history stuff but they often make the the fatal mistake as we all do of never going back past the 60s oh, so it's yeah, sort of, past world war 2 really yeah, yeah so it's it's nice to hear some from back way back in the day
0: yes um and the I'm not sure if you noticed this the MSO have released a heap of songs as well they've you were done, telling me about yeah, this today they just released all the AFL clubs they've done some some uh arrangements of the club songs so cool. we might play that over the each club as we go through the ladder today we might play that Ah, oh, nice the MSO music. version yeah mm. um and I want to give a shout out to you Moz for these lovely beanies oh
3: thank you Timmy Maybe the
0: official sponsors of the show
3: oh, <laughs> um, oh yes I got my fiddle sticks
0: going yeah um, uh, we're in, we're in, we're in, I'm wearing my I'll put a, a picture on our socials <laughs> Um, but mine is kick to kick colours. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's a good looking beanie. Yeah, it
3: yeah. looks looks good.
0: Yeah, nice and nice and woolly, nice and thick. Um, keeps my head warm.
4: Yeah, that big noggin. That big noggin.
3: That brain surgeon.
0: Um, and I just want to clear something up as well. During lockdown, I did play a simulated game of Australian rules football on AFL Revolution.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I, I live tweeted it. I just wanted to mention that you know I, I, I made our two teams. So our team of 1897 to 1920 our team of 1921 to 1937. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I live-tweeted the game, and look, it was really high-scoring, um, but the, 19, the 1897 to 1920 team won. Uh, I think because the conditions were pretty good. The score was 170 to 148, and Roy <laughs> Park kicking seven for the... Uh, your As
4: man. my man <laughs> I feel redeemed
0: Yeah, because you fought hard to get him in the team I fought team. hard
4: to get him in the team And look at that Just mm. showed up and got the Tied job off. done
0: And I was thinking Because I've been doing a lot of reading of some, some older books Especially the, uh, the on the take The one about the Blues And that talks about how All the players from that era Played for the love of the game And then yeah. money came into it and
4: changed it we that, that on the take is that the the Carlton one, the Carlton one? Yeah. yeah the Bongo Lang yeah. story yeah
0: once so once they started you know, players started playing they weren't playing for the love of the game anymore so mm. I feel like those players are a bit redeemed there in in winning that stimulated game that yeah I absolutely
4: <laughs> I was very surprised thinking those two I mean great both great midfields but you look at the names in the in the later teams midfield and they're mm. unbelievable and that forward oh, the forward line, line as well I mean
0: yeah in the the, the later team you had Soapy Valens kicking five Coventry with three. More with three and Pratt with three. Yeah, <laughs> it's... I, look, I could go on. I could do a whole podcast about this. That one
4: game, <laughs> one simulated
0: game. It'll, so yeah, good. It'll be interesting once I chuck in. Like once we make
4: this te- this year's team, we're gonna have a tri series. But I'm, um, I am, um, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to your written letter of apology about Roy Park. <laughs> uh, I'll be framing it. Yeah. Well <laughs> um, but let's get into some history for 1945, Charlie. Yes. Uh,
0: hit song is the Andrews Sisters' Rum and Coca Cola. Do we know this one?
4: I like it. I like it too. Yep. It's kind of got a bit of a Chattanooga Choo Choo vibe bit, to yeah. it, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, the events of 1945, as we just said, huge year. Mm. Huge year. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of good things,
0: a okay. lot us. of bad things. What do you got?
4: All right, ready. Starting with January 6th, Pepe Le Pew made his debut. As the first major Looney Tunes character in Odorable Kitty. Oh. Pepe Le Pew, one of my faves. Uh, on the 20th of January, FDR, Franklin D. Roosevelt, was sworn in for his fourth term as President of the United States. He is the only president ever to exceed two terms. Because hmm. they have they changed, changed the law him. after him, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, to, preserve his to preserve his legacy,
4: legacy exactly. On the 30th of January, uh, Hitler made his last public speech that was delivered uh, personally on broadcast radio expressing the belief that Germany would triumph.
0: Mm. When was that?
4: On the 30th of Jan. Okay. Hmm. Mm. Also on the 30th of January, Prince Henry, the Duke of Gloucester, became Australia's first royal governor-general. Uh, on some at some point in February, not sure of the exact date, Anne Frank died of typhus mm. in uh, the Bergen-Belsen concentration camp.
0: Oh, so she got caught in the end.
4: Yes, spoiled, yes. Right? Uh, on the nineteenth of Feb, uh, the Battle of Iwo Jima began with thirty thousand United States Marines landing on the island of Iwo Jima, and on the twenty-third of Feb. Uh, As part of the Battle of Iwo Jima, a group of the marines reached the top of Mount Suribachi on the island and were photographed raising the American flag. The famous photo Mm. of the, I think it's five soldiers, four or five soldiers raising the flag. Uh, The photo raising the flag was taken by Joe Rosenthal and it later won the Pulitzer Prize. On the 15th of March, the 17th Academy Awards ceremony was held, uh, broadcast via radio for the first time. The best picture was won by a film called Going My Way, starring Bing Crosby, ah. about a young priest taking over from an older priest. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's <laughs> of the times, maybe? Um, on the 12th of April, FDR died suddenly at Warm Springs in Georgia. Uh, Vice-President Harry S. Truman became the 33rd President of the United States and was sworn in that evening at the White House. And on the 25th of April in San Francisco, the negotiations for the founding of the United Nations began. On the 22nd of April, Heinrich Himmler, uh, through Falk Bernadotte, put forth an offer of German surrender to the Western Allies, but not the Soviet Union. Hmm. Uh, And also on that day, Adolf Hitler privately conceded defeat in his underground Berlin bunker after learning Felix Steiner could not mobilise enough men to launch a counterattack on the Soviet Union, which had just broken through to Germany. Uh, On the 29th of April, Hitler married his long-time mistress Eva Braun in a civil ceremony in the Führerbunker, Mm. and he signed his last will and testament. And then the next day... He and Eva Braun commit suicide as the Red Army approach the Fuhrer bunker. Uh, Karl Donitz, succeeded. Hitler as president of Germany and Joseph Goebbels succeeded as chancellor of Germany in accordance with the testament of the previous day. So there you go. Jan 30th, he's like, yeah, we're going to (laughs) win. April 30th, it's all done and dusted. Who
0: did he he sign his will and testament? Who did he sign everything over to? Mm.
4: Well... I don't know. There was more information in there. There was a few other things. Um a Dan Brown novel. Yeah.
3: Mm, I didn't realise yeah. he only married the day before. The day before,
4: yeah, so there you go. Mm. Longtime mistress. Yes. Hmm. Side chick. Uh, yeah, exactly. On the 5th of May, a Japanese fire balloon killed six people. Uh, Elsie Mitchell and her five children.
0: What is a Japanese
3: yeah, fire what's balloon?
4: A balloon? Well, in Australia, no, this happened in America, in uh, Oregon. They it exploded as they dragged it from the woods. So it's a <laughs> it's a balloon. I, I look, I didn't know too much about it. I believe it's a how, check it out.
3: Yeah, I'll Google
4: it's. I believe it's like a balloon that they pushed out in order to create fires. Right. Um, yeah, these...
0: That floated over from Japan?
4: Japanese yeah, well, or not f- maybe from the Pacific Islands or yeah. something like that, yeah. I don't know. But um, they are the only people killed by an enemy attack on the American mainland during World War Two. Ah. During,
0: during any major world conflict?
4: Mm. Well, that didn't include just America. Oh, yeah, oh, well, well yeah. yeah, and also... Mainland. yeah, yeah. Yeah, main, yeah mainland, yeah. Uh, on that same day, in slightly lighter news, Yosemite Sam... Debuted in Hair Trigger.
0: Hey.
4: Big on the Looney Tunes characters, yeah. yeah. Uh, on the 9th of May, Germany surrendered to the Allies, which ended World War II in Europe. Mm. On the 12th of May, Reverend V.W. Audrey's children book, The Three wa- Railway Engines, the first of the Railway Series, was published in England. What is the Railway Series more famously known as, you might ask? Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends. There you go. Oh. Have we got more information on the fire balloon, Moz?
3: Yes. Um, when I first Googled it, they came up with a whole bunch of different water balloons. Yeah. So Classic. Not what we wanted. Researched further. They're called Fugo balloons, yeah. F-U-G-O, or fire balloons. Um, they varied from 12 kilograms to 15 kilograms. And... Uh, uh, uh. It was designed as a cheap weapon intended to make use of the jet stream over the Pacific Ocean to drop bombs on American cities, forests and farmland. That's what it looks like. It looks like a a, a sort of Ah. miniature hot air balloon almost. There you go. Mm. Um,
4: On the 26th of June, uh, Dr H.V. Everett signed the United Nations Charter on behalf of Australia. On the 5th of July, John Curtin, the 14th Prime Minister of Australia, died in office. So, so
0: he made Roosevelt.
4: President right. and a Prime Minister dying in office mm. from heart failure at the age of 60. Stress he was briefly replaced by his deputy, Frank Ford, who served as the 15th Prime Minister until later a Labour Party leadership election was held uh, to replace Curtin. So that was then Ben Chifley, who was elected on the 12th of July, uh, and he became the 16th Prime Minister of Australia. F- of Australia who, and defeated Frank Ford. So Frank Ford is the shortest serving Prime Minister in Australian history. He served for seven days. Huh. Uh, but he retained his post as Deputy Leader after that.
3: Yep. Right.
4: On the 16th of July, the Trinity Test, the first test of an atomic bomb, uh Was done using about six kilos of plutonium and succeeded in unleashing an explosion equivalent to that of 22 kilotons of TNT.
3: Wow. Good God.
4: On the 26th of July, Winston Churchill resigned as Prime Minister of the UK after his Conservative Party was soundly defeated by the Labour Party. Mm -hmm. Uh, Clement Attlee became the new Prime Minister, and it is the first time that Labour has governed Britain with a majority in the House of Commons. So you've lost FDR. Uh, Winston Hitler. Churchill Curtin. and Kern and Hitler. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. great episode
3: uh, of The Crown on that Churchill. Yes,
4: there is situation. It's a ripper. Mm-hmm. On the sixth of August, the little boy was dropped on Hiroshima. Um, the bomb. Uh, the bomb. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. the, the little boy from the Enola Gay. Um, <laughs> that's the name of the plane. Yeah. <laughs> Just,
3: no, we
0: love anything else.
3: Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's just the the, it's just oh, I have a little boy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah,
4: okay. I'm with you now. And uh, on the 9th of August, uh, Nagasaki, the B-29 boxcar dropped the Fat Man. The second bomb was named on Nagasaki, uh, which led to then um, the September 2nd official Japanese surrender uh, by to General Douglas MacArthur on on board the USS Missouri in Tokyo Bay, uh, and so that's the end of World War Two. Right? Yeah. Yes. Right. We've been. T- yeah. I mean. <sighs> it's a. It's. We've been talking about it for a long yeah, time, a haven't we? Like seven years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine. <coughs> Phenomenal. Uh, Almost every episode we've done. Yeah. Apart from the thirty-eight. Yeah. Episode the first one we did this year. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
3: But even that was gearing up to yeah, it.
4: Yeah, you're right. Um, on the twenty third of October, Jackie Robinson signed a contract with the Montreal Royals baseball team. Yep. Uh, on the first of November, Telecron introduced the model eight H fifty nine Muse alarm, the first ever clock radio. Hey, hey. good times. <laughs> on the sixth of November, Rainbird won the Melbourne Cup. On the twelfth of December, Howard Florey shared the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for his work on penicillin. And on the 26th of December was the very first Sydney to Hobart yacht race. The British yacht Rani won both the line honours and the handicap arriving in Hobart on the 3rd of Jan. Yeah. Whoa. Much longer than these days. Mm. Uh, So those are all the events that I have. Would you like to know who was born that year?
3: Yeah, give us a few. Oh, yes, please. Just a
4: couple? Just a few. All right, here we go. 10th of Jan, Rod Stewart.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
4: 29th of Jan, Magnum P.I. himself, Tom, Tom Selleck. Selleck. <laughs> on the 6th of February, Bob Marley. On the 26th of February, Peter Brock, the racing driver. On the 30th of March, Eric Clapton. And on the 6th of May, Bob Seger, the rock singer. Yeah. On the 22nd of May, Bob Catter, <laughs> the great Australian politician. Uh, Bob <laughs> Bob on the 24th of May, Priscilla Presley. Uh, on the twenty eighth of May, Patch Adams, the real Patch okay, Adams, Elizabeth not Adams. Robin Williams. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the twenty fifth, uh, uh, sorry, twenty sixth of July, Helen Mirren was born. Dame Helen Mirren. Dame Helen Mirren. On the twenty eighth of July, Jim Davis, the creator of Garfield. Ooh. On the second of August, Alex Jezalenko was born. You beauty. <laughs> Yo beauty. <laughs> beauty. On the twenty fourth of August, Vincent K. McMahon. The American the man, professional yeah. wrestling promoter, chairman and CEO of WWE. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the 26th of August, Kerry O'Brien, the telev- uh, ABC te- television journalist. 31st of August, Van Morrison. Mm-hmm. Uh, 2nd of October, Don McLean
3: of Ooh, American Pie Oh Yes, one hit, wonder man.
4: On October the 30th, Henry Winkler, the Fonz, Bonzee. was born. <laughs> <laughs> on the 1st of November, John Williamson. The true blue, A true blue. legend. A true blue. And on the 22nd of December, Sam Newman, the 300 gamer for Geelong and extremely controversial media mm. personality.
0: Mm. So at the
4: moment. Yeah, well, always. <sighs>
0: oh, well, it feels good to be out of the war. Doesn't it? Yes.
5: Because it's football season, and that's the reason it's the time of the year that we love.
0: Let's uh, yeah, let's have a look at the, uh, the league. Let's see what's yes. happening. what's
4: going on? Mm. Good, good. So we got Geelong back last year. We did
0: good yeah. times. Yep. Okay, so we got a few new considerations of things happening. Yes. The league consider and reject a proposal to take premiership points off clubs with poor on-field disciplinary records.
4: Okay, Sorry. hang on. Let's let's so, break that down.
0: Yeah. If you have lots of players suspended, reported then you might lose some premiership points. And they Quite ironic whoa. it happened in this season. Isn't
4: it isn't wow. it just? Yeah. Uh, but, but yeah. it obviously it goes to show that obviously they thought that was a problem. And remember in mm-hmm. the um
0: in the War League in the Army Leagues as well yeah, there was a lot of fighting yeah, going yeah. on. Yeah, and mm-hmm. they
4: and they included those suspensions in VFL suspensions didn't yes, they? Indeed. So they they're obviously aware that there's an issue with the the biffs bumps and brawlers yes, of the day. Indeed. <laughs> Um, the
0: VFL adopted the down kick free downfield, downfield free kick. kick yeah. Oh, yeah.
4: <laughs> uh, so the player.
0: Yeah, we know what downfield is. Yep. yep. The free kick
4: is taken at the spot where the ball lands by the nearest teammate, not at the spot of the foul.
0: Correct. <laughs> um, Have that on
3: hand. And to make up Maybe for the,
0: the the missed matches over the last few years because of the war, they made this season a twenty-round season. Yeah. They went yeah. From a, they've had sixteen from the last few years to, mm-hmm. to twenty now. Um, which plays a very big part in how this season plays out as well. So um, matches 12 to 20 with a home and away reverse of matches 1 to 9.
4: So there's only three, two, three teams that you don't play. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Um, and
0: really cool anomaly was 1945. The fi- all four finalists were completely different from the previous year. The only time that has ever happened.
3: Yeah, that is really cool. That is cool. Yeah. Switcheroo. Yep.
0: Yeah. All four really? finals. Yep, the, the top four is completely different to the to the previous seasons. The only time it's ever happened where the finals still up to this day. Well, can you imagine eight different teams making the finals now? No,
4: no, yes. no. Yes. Fair enough. <laughs> no, but I meant I mean, like top four. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. you yeah. you usually always got Collingwood up there, haven't you? That's true. Yeah. Well.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Some very interesting. Uh, <laughs> well, headings. when you say you
4: you say that, but Collingwood made it this year. In forty-five, they because did. they haven't made it. Yes, yet, they, so yeah. previously, um, yeah.
0: it was funny as well. Hector Lacy, the uh, the journalist, stated in the preseason that nineteen forty-five would see not much change from forty-four.
4: Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those footy pundits, they're mm. always right.
3: But uh, let's uh, let's go up the ladder. Okay, finishing smack bang on the bottom. The Saints. Who else? (laughs) Who else? (laughs) With only two wins and 18 losses and a lowly percentage of 62.2.
4: Yes, so captained by uh, Clary Vontum, coached by Huey Thomas, uh, their lead goal kickers shared between Jim Hall and Sam Snell, 20 each. Mm. Not great. Their second spoon in the last
0: three years. Yeah. Mm. Um, So, mid-March, here's here's the big news, this, the committee of St Kilda chose a new nickname for the team. Yes, they did. I've been waiting
3: for this. What is it? The Panthers. Oh, yeah. Yes,
4: from the Seagulls.
0: Well, they hadn't been really referred were, to as the Seagulls no, for they, a long time. So it was were, weird that they referred yeah. to that in the article. Um, do you know why they changed it to the Panthers?
3: No. No.
0: Um, a supporter. Oh gave, no, sorry. Yes, yeah, a I supporter did this, gave yeah. The club an oil painting of a panther, which they hung in the committee room. Um,
4: so they just decided to rebrand themselves This is tough that? cat. Is that super weird, though? Yeah, well, it must I, be a like, good painting. <laughs> but I, can, I, can, I could understand it if they rebranded it and then a supporter gave them the Panther, yes. but the Panther's just randomly given to them when they're mm. still the Seagulls. Very yeah. odd. Really odd. Must have been a seagulls, very nice but, painting. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah.
0: yeah. yeah so they've... Re- and remember, they're two years into a three-year plan here as well. Mosh. Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: After they were dropped after however many games. Yeah. You know, oh, it yeah. yeah. From yeah. 43 or 44. Yeah,
0: yeah. so the Panthers...
4: Yeah, no. Mm.
0: Some, de- some debutants. Really mm.
4: hung on, though, didn't it, that name? No. <laughs> <laughs> so much so that no one really knows. That yeah, that they were ever that.
0: Um, debutants, Stan Livre, Kevin Callady, Charlie Harbour. Um, and in the early May, Tom Reynolds, Dick oh, Reynolds' yeah. brother. Aww. He'd come into some form in the SNN 2s, but the, the Bombers weren't really giving him a lock, look in. He was mm-hmm. given a clearance to St Kilda, and he crossed and played for St Kilda.
4: Which is quite yeah. strange, considering they're, like... Quite a few years, well, a couple of years, he was their lead goal kicker. He kicked seven in a losing ground, exactly. So, yeah. he's, and then he's just dropped out of favor. And he's the captain new coach. coach's brother, new coach, maybe
0: no, his, his
4: brother. Oh, yeah, of yeah. course, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry.
0: Ooh. Um, so St. Kilda's first win came in round three over Hawthorne at Glenferry. Uh, Jim Hall and Clary Vontom kicking three goals each now, round seven. Um, as if looking for revenge against Huey Thomas, there was no repeat of last year's miracle win over Collingwood. The Pies absolutely smashed the Saints by 70, 76 points at Junction Oval. And then round nine would be the Panthers' second and last win of the season. It sounds weird saying the
3: Panthers. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the
0: it's ridiculous. Uh, it was a five-point thriller over Geelong at Junction Oval with Sam Snell kicking three goals. They lost their last 11 games by an average margin of 46.7
4: points. Oh, so. Yeah this is an interesting one and in, in because of their terrible season yeah. they actually had a real wooden spoon hung in their committee room after the season to remind them of how terrible next it was next to the
0: panther photo pa- panther painting <laughs> <laughs> i mean how we like
4: so so they were like this we need to remember how this feels yeah. so, so we bones. change mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm Okay. Did it work? Their
4: thirteenth wooden
0: spoon. That's the one they choose. To, yeah, yeah, uh, I know.
4: because I was thinking about. It, I was like, that's not their worst ever performance either. No, for they've gone year. through seasons where they haven't won games. Yeah, exactly. Um, the final season,
0: the final game of the season was against the Geelong, the Geelong. Geelong, um, with the winner, the the winner avoiding the wooden spoon. So it was really a battle for the wooden spoon, um, despite a third quarter comeback. They couldn't get over the Black Cats, and they were relegated to their 13th wooden spoon. Mm. And as you said, they got the wooden spoon hung up in the club rooms, and Huey Thomas retired as coach at season's end. Yeah, But at least he got that one win over Jock McHale. Yes! <laughs> really, really happy you got that one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
3: Alright, 11th was Geelong, who also only had two wins, 18 losses, and finished just above the Saints with a percentage of 64.9.
4: It really did come down to yeah, that last a game. Fight. Yeah. a
3: fight for the points.
4: Uh, so Geelong this year, captained by Jack Butcher, coached by Jack Williams. Their lead goal kicker was Vic Nankervis with
0: 43. Mm. Um, so Tom Arclay had retired, so Jack Williams was appointed coach, and Jack Williams had played in the 25 and 31 premiership teams. As you said, Jack Butler was captain again. Uh, a debutant was Cecil... Jack ha- Butcher. Jack Butcher.
4: Yes, Butcher. Butcher, yes, yeah, sorry, yeah. Uh,
0: Cecil Hammer was a... Uh, Love A that. Debutante. Uh, now pre season the club ordered new jumpers but weren't allowed to receive them because they needed to produce the right number of coupons because of war limits. Oh. oh so they reached out to fans to help contribute to, you know, the coupons they needed to have to be able to afford and get these jumpers. Huh. Um there was also discussion mid season about returning to Cryo Oval and they kind of weighed up the pros and cons of whether we stay at Cardinia or whether we go to Cryo Oval. Ultimately, they stayed at Cardinia. Wow, closer to the city centre, easier for teams to get to. Are these mm. the reasons? Yeah.
4: What were the pros? Like, why were they thinking well, because of going the, back?
0: All the stands were like all
4: the all the, the history it was, good, was there. Yeah, good infrastructure. Yeah, they. I think they just history completed there,
0: yeah. the Brownlow Young Stand not too long just ago. Just before they moved, you're yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. So, and it's you know tradition. They'd been there since what 18? Yeah, fifty nine. Fifty nine. Oh, well, I, I don't think they started there, but they've been there for over for, seventy yeah. years, probably. Um. Round six, for the second year in a row, Geelong was able to beat Hawthorne at Cardinia Park again. They held on to win by eight points. and Curvis kicked four. In round 15, Geelong took on South Melbourne at Lakeside Oval, which they lost. However, an amusing thing happened to Max Leslie. He earned a shot at goal late in the game. However, in the contest, he realised that most of his shorts had been torn off. So he, so he tore the rest off and took his shot at goal in his jocks. <laughs> um, and in a calm manner, he slotted the goal despite the hooting and hollering of the crowd. <laughs> Great uh, round uh, round sixteen. Following Geelong's loss to Melbourne at Punt Road over, one Geelong fan was so enraged he assaulted the field umpire, umpire Thomas, and was fined two p. Two p. Two p. Two pounds. I'm assuming.
4: No, wouldn't two p be pence? two pence?
0: possibly it must yeah. be two
4: pounds yeah because if you're getting if you're getting fine two pence what's the <laughs> point yeah um and the
0: look the, the final as the final thing i want to talk about is actually it happened to the seconds so we know in that last round st kilda played geelong the are yes. getting the wooden spoon in the seconds geelong also played st kilda down in geelong uh it was a dead rubber they were both i think they were like 11th and 12th on the yeah, ladder didn't, didn't make matter. a difference um And the weather was terrible, icy temperatures, driving range. The ground resembled a lake. They were playing at a different oval, so nowhere near Cardinia. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Um, And there's a theory that, uh, well, what what ended up happening was they didn't actually play. (gasps) Oh, They said they played, but they didn't actually play. So this was discovered quite recently by Cole Hutchinson and Ben Collins. Um, they so what they did is they kind of agreed, hey, it's too cold, let's not play. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, let's just tell them we played. So they all went to the pub. Oh, that is. Um, so the theory ridiculous. is that they, you know, they they kind of bribed the umpire, silenced the umpires by giving them some buying them some beers. Um, and they kind of made up the match report to submit to the papers. Um, in this kind of match, what do you think the result might have been? draw. It was a draw. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, it was a draw. Uh, Geelong 12-6 to St Kilda 11-12. A Geelong man named Tolman that's kicked... Oh, no, sorry. There was a, late, there was a point kicked very late in the game that drew the... Uh, Drew
4: the game. <laughs> the made up game sounds so much more interesting yeah. than what the real game would have been <laughs> as well.
0: The Phantom Hero was teenager Arnold who was credited with kicking the behind that drew the match from a very difficult shot after the siren. Oh uh, yeah, it had to be. Yeah, yeah.
4: That's so yeah. good. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You can just imagine them having a few frothies oh. in the warmth, thinking, How good are we? How smart are we? Yeah. Not playing in a
0: it in was only, the dark mud. It was only recently they like they found a member of the team who played in this. And like they said, oh, can we ask you about it? It's like, oh, I'm not going to get in trouble, am I? And like, no, nah, it's like 70 years ago. I think you'll be okay.
4: I love that. That is brilliant. Yeah. So like no one, no one would have been like not, the, not a single <laughs> no. No like, one knew. person in the yeah. crowd. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like someone no rocked game. up to watch the seconds and was like, where's the game? Yeah. No one knew. <laughs> no one sort of, oh, that's yeah. genius. Yeah. See that, do you know what that goes to Timmy? That actually is really good for uh, conspiracy theorists everywhere. Because you know the, the the idea that you can't actually keep a secret with more than like five people? Mm. Mm. That's a secret with like Absolutely. 38, 40 people involved yeah, and it's sorry. been kept for 70 years. Absolutely. We never landed on the moon. <laughs> Nothing ever happened. We figured it out. Genius. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I'll send you the article if you
4: want to read it. Yeah, please. Yeah. Please. Let's move on.
3: Alrighty, Hawthorne finished 10th. They had six wins, 14 losses, and finished on a percentage of 85.6.
4: So, oh, the Hawks. Yes, they are the Hawks. Yeah, yeah looking all right there. Well, so, they were. Yeah. So, captain coach by uh, Keith Shea this year, their lead goal kicker, Alec Albertson, with 66.
0: Mm. Um, yeah, if you remember, if in 43, they finished 5th. That's right, And they kind of right, tumbled yeah. down to 11th and now 10th. So. But
4: still, like, you know... Six wins. Geelong and St Kilda are only two wins each. Yeah. They're well off the bottom where they used to be.
0: Yeah. Um, and with the VFA coming back this season, that meant uh, the coach from the previous year, Tommy the Turk Lahiff, had to return to Port Melbourne. So that's why they had a new coach. Um, and Keith Shea being an ex Carlton player. Yeah. 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 Round one, the Hawks ran into a rampant Essendon in the opening game of the year and was smashed by seventy-one points. <laughs> the Sporting Globe descri- described the team as a weak side with no foundation. Um, In this game, a youngster named Jack McLeod made his debut, having arrived from Auburn. However, he was rostered on army duty at the MCG that weekend of the opening match. So he went AWOL. And played. this game. Got one kick in a nervous debut and was charged as soon as he returned to (laughs) barracks. Um, However, he'd go on to win best first year player at the season's end. Brilliant. Uh, round two, they were stung into action. Hawthorne responded with a tremendous 34 point win over Carlton at Glenferry Oval. Hmm. Shea was in brilliant form against his former club, and fireman come defender Jack Blackman overcame smoke inhalation from the previous day to turn in a great performance. So he was a fireman and, and
4: yeah, it was wow. quite sick from the previous day. <laughs> v- from fighting fires. That's yeah. seriously wow. impressive.
0: Yeah. Um, but from here, the season would really go pear shaped. Uh, rather quickly, nine losses in succession. Yeah. Uh, even usual easy beats like North Melbourne were too strong. Um, finally, things turned around and they had a fifty-three point win over Essendon.
4: Oh, they a got a back turnaround!
0: Yeah, it's a huge turnaround. That's a one hundred and thirty-four point turn. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Hawks slammed on eight unanswered goals between quarter time and three-quarter time. That happened to you last year as well, Tim. Remember that against the Bulldogs? Anyway, Shane <laughs> was, was forced to hand the captaincy over to reliable Jim Bowen for the rest of the season. Uh, But the Hawks' ended the season with some honour restored Taking the points in five of the final nine games
3: (laughs) Charlie's (laughs) lost it
0: (laughs) (laughs) Far from your own joke, Charlie Well, someone has to (laughs) The Hawks' better wins included a come-from-behind victory over the Tigers at at Punt Road A gutsy seven-point win over the high-flying North Um, And Bowen provided the highlight in the third term in this game against Richmond With a massive drop-punt kick that was measured at 67 yards by officials the following day
4: Sixty seven yards. So yeah, I, what, sixty five metres? Maybe a little well, bit less, but yeah, yeah, more than sixty metres. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um and as you said, Alec Elberson yeah. lo- led their goal kicking, was only a few behind one.
4: the leader, Fred Fanning. One behind. Mm. One yes. behind. There you go. Yeah. All
3: right, climbing up one rung of the ladder, we get to Melbourne, who finished ninth. They had eight wins, twelve losses, and a percentage of ninety nine point one.
4: So bit of few changes down at uh down at Melbourne, uh, we've got a new slash old coach, <laughs> Checker Hughes is back, uh, and a new captain, Norm Smith, hey. taking over from Percy Beams, who has retired. Yeah. Um, and what a man he was, I'll tell you what, they're still talking about him today, we can still have a drink at his bar. Um, the lead goal kicker, Fred Fanning, with 67 there for the D's so a bit of a nothing bit of a nothing year for Melbourne really not too much happened but uh, we're getting closer
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, they still exiled at Punt Road Oval because the MCG was still uh, Camp Murphy at this stage Um, so still rebuilding but starting to kind of on the way back up again well, not ladder-wise, ladder not really, but they're bloody new players. Yeah, and that old guard are kind of retiring now,
4: and there's a new guard coming coming out. through. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, as Norm Smith, Fred Fanning, Jack Mule Well, Jack Mills probably no, he's still youngish. Yep. Yeah, yeah, those guys.
0: Round one was an excellent. Uh, so they played Carlton. Domination in the ruck saw the margin extend to 50 points. Uh, early in the game Um, led by several players who had recently returned from military service before Carlton took 11 points off a 32 point deficit the three quarter time but Melbourne ended up up running out winners Uh, Fanning kicked four in this game round two the resurgent Demons earned another victory to start the season running away from St Kilda in the second half with 11 goals to two They were led by a dangerous combination of Fanning and Baggett, who kicked 13 of Melbourne's 17 goals for the day.
2: Absolutely, they
0: did. Kazman! Hey! Hey. How'd How'd he he get in here? (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Uh, Just in time for Melbourne. Exactly. Um, Then they had, following two losses, Don Corder and Fred Fanning were best on ground as the D's beat the Black Cats at Cardinia. And then they suffered four losses in a row. Uh, Come Round 10, in greasy conditions, Melbourne had to come from behind against Hawthorne to take the points. Going into the final change seven points behind, they kicked five goals eight in the last quarter to overrun their opponents. Staying where they belong, Hawthorne. Yep. <laughs> Down the... <laughs> um, they again knocked off They knocked off an inaccurate Essendon and were pipped by a desperate Carlton by one point. Round 16, they played at Punt Road Oval. Melbourne were playing Geelong, who were lucky enough to have their captain, Jack Butcher, Butcher, Butcher playing, yeah. yeah but only because two weeks earlier he'd been treated for an injury by demon doctor... Donald Donald Cordner. Dr. Don. Yeah. Um, So that's why Jack Butcher was able to play. Oh, see, Don's a great man. D's won by 59, fanning kick six. (laughs) Now, round 17. Before the match, Checker Hughes was said to have addressed his players by saying the following.
4: This will possibly be the last game of football you will play during the war period. (laughs) During the war Many of you young players have been wearing the numbers of players who have made this club famous. That's right. Yeah. Some of them made the supreme sacrifice. These players were champions because they would never admit defeat. You have the ability to win. Now go out there and win! And win they did by nine points.
0: Very nice, Charlie. <laughs> because Thank you. Of that. Thank you. <laughs> Round 18. Uh, playing North Melbourne, Norm Smith was opposed to North Toughman Ted Jarrod who gave him a hard time. Um, So much so that he actually lost a bit of his cool. North won and Norm Smith kicked two, but later reflected, saying,
3: The only time I ever lost my cool on the football field was one day against North Melbourne. Jared was frustrating the hell out of me, goading me, harassing me, belting me.
0: So Smith had had enough. He grabbed Jared with clenched fists and he roared, I'll fight you now! <laughs> um, and this is from the Norm Smith Red Fox book, but the uh, the result of this confrontation is not known, unfortunately.
2: he really spelt it out, didn't
1: yeah. Yeah. he? Oh. I will fight you. And he was
0: unflappable usually, Norm. Smith. He
4: was, oh. he was, but mm. when he when he got aggro, he Watch was aggro. Out Jared. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's bubbling underneath, you think? That's it, the, <laughs> the source of his strength.
0: All right, and that's Melbourne season over. Uh, again, missed the finals. Yes.
3: Mm. Okay, just one step up the ladder, Essendon. 10 wins, 9 losses and 1 draw, and a percentage of 113.8. Mm.
4: Same old. So, <laughs> captain uh, captain, coach again by Dick Reynolds. Uh, their lead goal kicker this year was Bill Brittingham with 48. Mm, it was. Look, several
0: veterans had retired the previous season. Uh, we were missing a few players like Casson and Abbott with the Armed Forces. So, it was a bit of a depleted team. Yeah. For a team who had been in the finals for I think well, the last 5 seasons. This is
4: it. Uh this was the o- this is the only year in the 40s that Essendon doesn't make the finals.
0: Yeah, we, we've been every year since hmm. 40. Yeah. Yep.
4: And we'll continue to beat continue. after yep. this. Yep. Spoilers. Um yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Round 1 the Bombers got off to a flyer, smashing Hawthorn at Windy Hill, they kicked 22 goals 18-150, to win by 71 points. Noel Smith led the goal kicking with 5. Round 2 they again drew with Fitzroy just like they did in nineteen forty-four. Second year in a row they drew Yeah, um, and that was before a big win in round 3, they kicked the exact same score from round 1 so against Hawthorne in round 3 they kicked again 22 goals, 18-150 to beat Carlton by 100 points <laughs> <laughs> this would be Essendon's biggest score and margin against the Blues until 1985 and the biggest defeat that Carlton had ever received wow, take that take that Carlton <laughs> Uh, in round four, it would be Reynolds versus Reynolds, as Dick and Essendon took on Tom and St. Kilda. Essendon would win comfortably by 55 points, but in this game, Bill Brittingham recalls, I heard a crack and looked around to see Reynolds holding his face. He took his hands away, and you should have seen his jaw. His teeth were all over the place, but he wouldn't leave the field. After the game, he had his jaw wide, but he played the next week.
4: We're talking about Dick
5: here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. However... St. Kilda player Tom Reynolds saw this and he was not impressed and vowed to get revenge with the St. Kilda perpetrator for striking his brother. (laughs) The umpire came up to remonstrate with Tom who was kind of fighting with his teammate and said, I I can't report you for striking your own teammate, mate, Tom. Um, So, yeah, he... So, um, it should have been noted earlier that Tom Reynolds only played four games with St. Kilda as well. Mm Bill Hutchinson in his game, Rover, extraordinaire, future Brownlow medalist, kicked seven. Kicked
4: seven? Yep, as a Rover. That's unbelievable <laughs> Brought his own footy yeah.
0: <laughs> In round 5, Dick Reynolds uh, One week after getting his jaw wide Became the first bomber to play 200 games And it was Dick himself In a late mad scramble Who was able to get his boot to the ball And force the ball through for a win Seeing the bombers get up by a point In round 5 Who they were playing Let's check oh. Who you ask? Collingwood <laughs> Yeah, Whitney go. Hill <laughs> Uh, between round 8 and 13, the Bombers lost 6 straight, which saw them tumble to ninth on the ladder and really put them out of finals contention. They did have a good win in round 14 against Carlton by 3 points. With Carlton leading by 15 points, we have not much time left. In the space of 90 seconds, uh, goals to Ray Powell, Laurie Deal, and Bill Brittingham snatched a 3-point victory. Round 17, 6 goals to uh, Bill Brittingham helped the Bombers to beat Richmond, but you know for the, for the only year in the 40s, didn't, didn't make them. Finals,
3: yeah. uh, Richmond finish, finished seventh this season with 11 wins, 9 losses, and a percentage of 103.4. It's
4: a solid the draw there for Essendon, really. It could have been there. Yeah, they yeah. had everything this season, didn't they? Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, captain coach by Captain Blood himself, Jack Dyer, uh, their lead goal kicker was Fred Burge with 55.
0: Mm, and one of the debutantes for Richmond this year was Don Mopsy Fraser. Kaz, you a little bit about him? Mopsy. Mopsy.
4: So,
2: Dom Fraser, guys. Remembered uh, today as one of the most ferocious and relentlessly aggressive players to don a football jumper. And that's saying something. <laughs> here we go. So, the stage is set here. Mopsy Fraser was actually much more than a simple thug. He was... What was he, like, planning secret sniping or something? That's, like yeah. That? <laughs> In the view of some, um, one of the finest centre-half-backs that ever played the game, Fraser was actually a key position forward during his early time with the Tigers, but his woeful wayward kicking for goal and him both the eye of his coach and demolition to the back lines demotion Demo- demotion, demotion. <laughs> okay sorry um the move to center half back rekindled his career uh, and there were a few if any players able to challenge his supremacy in their position yeah, there was oh, I
4: see. A, it happened in one game, didn't it? Die just goes.
0: It, oh, I read it in the book. Yeah, oh. we're gonna uh,
4: we're gonna talk about that in a second. Ah. Um,
0: season was a tricky one for Richmond actually because following the grand final last season, they'd lost their full back and their full forward in Scott and Smitten, uh, both who were only able to play a few games, as well as Morris Broadstroke and Edwards being unavailable. However, they did gain Sal Murray from North Melbourne. Oh, the great Sal Murray! Oh, Sal Murray, the oh, goal kicker, a goal kicker. They were able to entice him over from North Melbourne. <sighs> Now round 1 you talked about Mopsy Fraser he made his debut against Footscray, And I've got a bit of a reflection here by Jack Die on his game. You want to read that Kaz? Mm.
2: In that first game I thought he was a squib. He seemed scared stiff and wouldn't get into the game. I guess uh, it was just nerves. Well I just I suggested at the end of uh, at the end of plan in play. a private at the end of play at the end of play. Cool. When well, I suggested at the end of play in a private corner of the club rooms that uh, he should be wearing lace panties for freedom of movement, I assume. <laughs> um, um, I saw his face flame red. He, his hair stand on the end and his eyes dilate enormously. <laughs> 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 I, I was fair dinkum certain he was going to explode. <laughs> that is a funny one. I love it. Um,
0: but as, as you said, guys, in the future, uh, Mopsy Fraser's fierce play became the hallmark of his career. Yeah. Uh.
4: There was a, during a game, I think Fraser up forward had kicked about uh, seven North. No, oh, it was more than that. It was like yeah. twelve straight points. Yeah, mm. and the uh, and Die just goes move Fraser back, and he never played in the forward line again. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a line a yeah. To oh. uh,
0: round two, Richmond scraped home against North Melbourne. However, Bert Edwards is gassed while fighting the fire at the Regent Theatre and wasn't able to play for Richmond the following week.
4: Oh, oh
0: wow, Again, so that's another, another fire firefighter. Man. Yeah. yeah. Round five and six, uh, one of your favourites, Kaz, Bill Paleface Morris Mm. was the star as the Tigers beat the Hawks and Essendon. He was a fine ruckman and described as the fairest of the fair. Mm. The game against Essendon, he was too sick to play yet took the field and was best on ground. Typical Mm. (laughs) Paleface. Round seven, Sal Murray has an outstanding game for his new club. Against Carlton, he took some superb marks and laid out cleverly. He had 22 shots on goal. He kicked 10 goals, seven with five missing altogether. Totally unsung hero. Mm. Deep into time on in the last quarter of this match, Carlton defender Frank McGrath seemed to have saved the game for his side when he took a strong mark at fullback. But instead of kicking long, he chose he chose to play on. Was tackled by Richmond's Bob Borden, who won a free kick, uh, and from this 30 metres out, he scored the goal that won the Tigers the match by five points. Oh
4: wow! Mm. Mm-hmm. What a finish.
0: <laughs> However, the Tigers were crippled by injuries and war service. They lost six of their last nine games to slip out of contention in the finals. Yeah. And finally, round 19, in a win over St Kilda, Mopsy Fraser missed several shots on goal. Dyer was so frustrated, he snarled rat bags to the back line. Yeah. <laughs> and Richmond would win the game. Fraser would become one of the best in the back business at centre back. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm.
3: Fitzroy. Reigning Premiers. The Gorillas. Reigning Premiers. Boy, how the mighty ball. Yeah. Um 11 wins, one draw, eight losses, and 119.1 as their percentage.
4: Yeah, so captain coached by Fred Hewson. Uh, their lead goal kicker was Alan Ruthven with 42. Yeah, the Baron. Yeah. The Baron. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, yeah, so not since Melbourne in 1942 have the Premiers missed the finals. So mm. not that long ago. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, <laughs> so that. Um, a debutante was Harold Schilling Schillinglaw. <laughs> Um, three premiership players have retired the, the previous season, but uh, Frank Cuccio was back from service. Round one, they had a big win over Geelong by th- 38 points. Ken Sire kicking seven. Round two, Mrs. McClellan. Ah, oh, yes. Unfurled the premiership flag at Brunswick Street Oval. And although John Curtin, Prime Minister, was unable to attend the game, um, he sent a delegate. He's, he's obviously Claude Curtin. Yeah. A Fitzroy player, not at this stage. He was serving, I think. Um, but this game was a draw. The second draw these two teams have played in the past year. You look confused.
4: No, I'm just I'm just thinking about um, Mrs. McClellan, as in Bill McClellan. No,
0: uh, not McClellan. McClellan.
4: Oh, sorry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. okay. There. Mm-hmm. Now I'm back. Yeah. I'm back. I was mm-hmm. like, why? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he was head of the VFL at this stage, wasn't he? So it kind of L- made McClelland sense. Bill McClellan was, but
0: Lel McClellan was the president. President of Fitzroy. Yeah. Yeah. No. McClellan.
3: That's so hard to say. Lowell
0: yeah. McClellan.
4: <laughs> Lowell,
1: Lowell McClellan. Um,
0: the round three loss to the Doggies would see Len Smith welcome back to the fold. He'd been away on service, kicked four goals in his return, and he'd played nine games for the season. Mm. Uh, he'd kick six in the round six loss to North Melbourne. It would be his equal best haul of goals in a game. Round eight uh, in the 93rd best win by a Fitzroy in their history the 93rd best (laughs) according to uh, Peter Carter
4: that is so good Fitzroy's fabulous fabulous century was probably
0: the highlight of their season they absolutely destroyed Collingwood at Victoria Park by 95 points Peter Dalwood kicked seven goals in just his fourth game of league football Um, and at one point when Burt Clay snapped the goal they led by 100 but Collingwood managed a few junk time Points To uh, to, to, to bring
4: moves, it back under the triples. Much. Yep,
0: it'd be their biggest score against Collingwood until 1985. Yeah, wow. <laughs> then round 18 in the Gorillas' nine-point win over South Melbourne, Frank Curcio surpassed Percy Parrott's game's record for the club of 196 games, uh, and he would hold the record at Fitzroy for games until 1971,
2: until it was That's... broken by... Um, Jock McHale. <laughs> <laughs> That's who I was Who's thinking. Who's your favourite right. player, Cassie? <laughs> oh, get out of here. Don Murray.
0: Bulldog Murray. Oh, Kev- Bulldog Kev- Murray. Oh, okay.
4: Um, okay. I'll jump the gun there. Yeah, sorry. So, hang on. I'm going back him yeah, in. Frank Curcio, you know, amazing. So, 190, how many? 196 games. So, 196 games. When you consider that for the last three or four years, he's been playing for the RAF rather mm. than mm. Fitzroy, mm. like he would have played. He would have played well over two hundred. Yeah, and he missed the premiership. He missed the prem. Well, he won the RAF premiership. Yeah, that's true. Which is a is which is in my books a Fitzroy premiership. And mm. We've spoken about this before. Yeah. Um,
0: and I love this. <laughs> there's a stat floating around at the moment that um, Cade Simpson of Carlton needs to lose one more game to equal Kevin Murray's losing record. Losing <laughs> record. Yeah, oh. which I think is like a two hundred four, two hundred nine games or something.
4: Which he will,
0: yeah. So Carlton lost yeah. two more games. He holds the
4: record, and that will never be broken again. No, it couldn't be. I can't imagine that being broken. Because no one's going to play. I mean, Cade's. No one's ever going to catch up to him because he's never going to stop playing football. First, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> exactly right. And yeah, Benjamin, but yeah, you're right.
0: Mm. Okay, um, let's move on.
3: Footscray finished with twelve wins. They had eight losses and a percentage percentage of one hundred eight point nine.
4: Mm, yes. So, captain coach by Arthur Oliver. Their lead goal kicker was Joe Ryan with 37.
0: A uh, debutante was Alan Broadway, which I thought might appeal to the musician in Newcastle. Yes, lovely. Uh, round one, Dog's wingman, wingman Jim Miller is kicked unconscious in this game and thinks he has swallowed some of his broken teeth. Oh, God. The doc tells him they'll show up and the dogs win by 10 points in a seesawing game. They'll show up. They'll show up. <laughs> well, Rare. he did. He, yeah, not he thought he swallowed some teeth, but he hadn't. He, just, he was unconscious. He was. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, the first three rounds saw them undefeated. They knocked off Geelong and the reigning premiers at Fitzroy. Uh, but between round six and 13, they then won eight in a row. and had a game clear on top. Their fans were dreaming. But then a four-game losing streak put them uh, just out of the four, and they were really kind of shaky ground now. Yeah. Possibly missed the finals. Round 18, they had a win over Hawthorne that got them back on track with two games left. But then Essendon ran all over them in round 19. And so, the season again came down to Carlton versus the Bulldogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it did in nineteen forty four. Well, the winner gets finals; the loser is out.
4: Both on, yeah, because they were both yeah. on twelve points at this stage. Yeah, mm-hmm. very, um, very similar percentage. And
0: to be boosted as well, Brownlow medalist Norm Ware would come back for this game. He hadn't played all season. This is the one game he played. <laughs> However, the game was not the thriller it was in nineteen forty four. Um, Carlton were all over them and despite Norm Ware kicking six the Blues quite comfortably won this game mm. to book the final spot in the top four. Mm. Um, perhaps if they'd had Norm Ware all season they might have uh, done a bit better but yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah six goals for
1: a out. losing side
0: yeah mm. they just missed out mm. Mm. Guess this like, to your favourite yeah. we're in the four mm. the
3: pointy end! Yeah. In the finals <laughs> in the finals mm. uh, so Carlton scraped through into the finals with that big win. They had 13 wins for the season, seven losses and a percentage of 106.9.
4: Yes, so uh, captained by Bob Chitty, the second best Chitty to play football. Yes. <laughs> uh, coached by Perce Bentley, and their lead goal kicker was Lance Collins with 49. Even more impressive when you consider he only played about half the season. Mm, like, like the whole club. Ah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> um, very interesting year for Carlton. It was,
0: wasn't it? So, uh, a debutant was Don Beauvais. Um, Bert Deacon, future Brownlow medalist, was sent back to his VFA club to get a bit of form. Um, so, he went back to Preston, and then from round 14 onwards, he would yep. play with Carlton. But I thought that was a bit of an interesting Yeah, year very. Because um, it was a disastrous start. They lost their first three games. They were sitting, I think, on the bottom of the ladder.
4: Ken, uh, Ken Hands debuted this year as well. We'll get mm. to that in a minute. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, they had a 7 point win in round 4 over reigning Premier's Fitzroy uh, That was their first win of the year Round 5 18 year old Ken Salvo Hands made his debut for the Carlton Blues In a hard fought 11 point win over St Kilda Tell us a bit more about Ken Hands, Um
2: To the chagrin of uh, Geelong Football Club Carlton recruited Hands from right under their noses in 1944 um, As a 17 year old key forward He was playing impressive football for amateur side Geelong Scouts First time I've heard about John Scouts. This is good. The cats had had Kent in their <laughs> sights for months. This is so Dangerfield, and wasn't it also Lockie Neil? Um, but it was Carlton that pounced him first uh, with a firm offer, including the prestige of wearing Guernsey number one for the Blues. Mm-hmm.
1: Ooh, who so,
2: could?
4: It, it, that was combine. a bit. There was something I read. It was a bit contentious that he he. S- they There was talk that they offered him the number one Guernsey as a bit of a sweetener to get him to come to Carlton, but he denied he that. that yeah. Totally denies said yeah. He was always going to go to Carlton. Nah, it's just folklore.
0: Uh, round seven, in a loss to Richmond, Bob Chitty was in a particularly nasty mood, tangling with various Tigers, including Mopsy Fraser, Murray, and Jack Dyer. And it, uh, and in this game, Chitty broke the leg of an unknown Tigers opponent in a heavy collision early in the he's, match. He's really building to something big. He's so it's rough. Isn't he? <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, he broke the leg um, of an
3: unknown.
0: Yeah, we don't know who nine. it was. We okay. could probably work it out actually. <laughs> Heading into round ten, Carlton were ninth on the ladder with four wins and six losses. It was this win against North Melbourne that galvanised them. Lance Collins kicked six, and Ken, Blind, Ken Hands had a blinder. Pre-game, Chitty knew they needed to win, so during the coin toss with Dally O'Brien, North Melbourne's captain, he smashed him in the um, face. The
4: right.
0: umpire tossed the coin, and, and Chitty opened his mouth and kind of did, like pretended to call, mouthed the words. It fell heads. Daly asked him what he called and Chitty, of course, replied, Heads. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get away yeah. with that? That's genius. <laughs> Round 11. On this joyous day, Carlton welcomed back Ken Baxter for his first senior match since the 1941 prelim. Yeah. Um, and he, remember, he was brought in as the replacement for Soapy Balance. Yes. So he kicked... Uh, actually, I don't know. That's it's good kicked. to hear of him again. The Blues won by six points. Yep. Um, and so this kind of kick-started Carlton's role to, to try and make the four kind of taken off offline by Essendon in round 14, they were beaten by three points um, and there's actually some audio we'll hear of this from a Carlton player, Ken Hans, who's reflecting on this.
1: Yes. Until we met Essendon again here on the Carlton ground and I remember so very well we were um, three goals in front with less than two minutes to go or two goals, three in front actually and Essendon kicked three goals in about two minutes to win the game by by three points. And I remember so well uh, on the Tuesday night, in those days we only trained Tuesday and Thursday, that we walked out on the ground and Perce Bentley addressed the players before training and he said, well, wouldn't that bugger it? (laughs) And Freddie Fitzgibbon said, well, we can still make it. And it just seemed to revive all the players and give them fresh confidence.
0: But from here on the Blues needed to win every single match to win, to make finals. Mm. And every game was a final. Um, The winning streak was kicked off with a four-point win over Fitzroy, despite kicking one behind in the final quarter. Round 17, Bob Chitty shut down Des Fothergill, and the Blues beat the Pies by a goal at Princess Park. Um, And they had weeks and weeks of close games. They played Geelong in Geelong and and won by 94 points, so that was an easy one. Turner and Baxter with six each and Collins with four. And then, as we said, round 20, the final round of the season. The only season where there's 20 rounds.
4: Hmm.
0: And it still comes down to it. Yeah, Carlton needed all 20 to make finals. Um, We know they knocked off the Bulldogs in that final one with everything on the line. Uh, They kicked seven goals to two in the first quarter, so a really good way to start. Established a break that the home side couldn't overcome. Mm. Five goals up at halftime, and the margin steadily increased to 53 points by the final siren. Carlton had displaced foot in the final four by... Two point zero four percent.
4: Usually, uh, we've talk- talked about this a few times in the past. When we the rules get changed in the vfl AFL, VFL, it's usually Geelong that gets screwed. Good, uh, yeah. <laughs> Geelong wasn't even in contention this no, year, so for- Footscray got screwed. Yeah. yeah, there we go. It's either a cat or a dog. It's yeah, going to yeah. be someone. <laughs>
2: Uh, and that Carlton though that's our favourite football story isn't it where they just keep winning and just it's just a
0: fairy tale or just this not for Tim <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know I can't stand Carlton okay. <laughs> well but, let's, let's just say it wasn't that but them. <laughs> this gives hope to like the Carlton story of 45 gives hope to every that's team, it, yeah. it Yeah, yeah. that if you're having a crap season it, yeah. it doesn't take
4: much yeah. it just turns mm. yep. something clicks yep. mm-hmm. a couple of players that's bang it. Bob Chitty clicks
1: yeah. Bob Chitty <laughs> snaps inside yeah just snaps yeah <laughs>
3: bronze (laughs) (laughs) North Melbourne finished also with 13 wins 7 losses and got through with a percentage of 111.1
4: here come the the Kangas yes Uh, So, (laughs) captained by Dally O'Brien, coached by Bob McCaskill. Their lead goal kicker was Bill Finlay
6: with 48.
0: Yeah, so they lost El Murray to Richmond pre-season, which we thought was a big loss, but Bill Finlay was able to kind of fill that void. Had an outstanding season. He burst out of the blocks in round one, kicking six as the team went down to Collingwood. Uh, Following two losses to begin the season, North went on a seven-game winning streak, their best ever in the VFL so far. Round four was a fine win. However, things looked bleak in the first quarter when the Dogs had kicked seven goals four to one goal one. But by half time they only trailed by two points. They were then down by 19 points at three-quarter time. And in the last quarter, the Roos kicked six goals to win by 13 points, their high standard of teamwork, teamwork winning them the game.
2: This really teaches us how to feel when Gold Coast actually start doing well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those expansion players will
0: all, all, all they come good. They, all do. they will. Well, uh, eventually. I mean, it has to man, happen. Will I have to accept run. this. Yeah. It's hard they to accept. Pre- they made a grand final. That's it. Round six was their most impressive win of the season, which was against the rampaging and undefeated South Melbourne. Oh. They knocked off the early flag favourites by eight points, with Ted Jarrett kicking three. Uh, Condon's goal in extra time clinched the win for them.
4: Dick Condon's back? Not
0: Dick Condon. <laughs> if you'd listened to last year's episode, you'd know who it was. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> I just
4: wanted to be Dick Condon.
0: (laughs) Can we pretend? Round nine, North kicked 18 goals, 14, 122 against Essendon, winning by five goals. This score would be their biggest against Essendon until 1977. Well said, Tim. Which I found quite shocking. Only 122 (laughs) points. That's not a very big score. (sighs) But against a team like mm. Essendon, I guess it is. No, Uh, Okay, all right, all right. Um, round 11 against St Kilda was a dour and frustrating game with scores level at 6-13 at three quarter time Ugh, so happy with neither yourself. team could score a goal in the last quarter the Panthers kicked two points and the Shinboners eight points in the last quarter to win by six uh, angry Panthers fans rushed the umpire after the game, and he needed a police <laughs> escort to leave the, ground. the Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. just right wrong <laughs> came in late, so he could have re- rebranded themselves uh, the Panthers this season. Just, it's it's you know, just wrong. It's <laughs> the Panthers. <laughs> <laughs> Round 18, Melbourne led north from the outset and looked to be cruising to an easy win. Panthers look really amazing.
2: They don't seem like they would you know, be aggressive and win, and I don't know, it just doesn't seem right. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Uh, Melbourne led North Melbourne by 16 points at three-quarter time, but then the Roos slammed on... Sorry, the boners, slammed on seven goals, six to the Demons, one goal, one, to hold on to their spot in the four. Um, The boners, small men playing brilliantly. Sid Dyer kicked four. Um, And they ran out. They won won one of their last two, but qualified for finals for the first time ever. Yes,
4: that's Ah. it. Um,
0: Prior to their first final, also they had a celebratory smoke night to celebrate making the finals for the first
4: smoke, time just smoking or smoking meat smoke night they they sit around and smoke and, and chat and, and talk about and manly. when the
0: Bulldogs did this in 37 they sang a whole song and
4: they had a whole process, procession yeah mm. oh and, uh, yeah we're just looking forward to Hawthorne making the finals. Oh,
0: we've still got another... Enough of that's probably going I'm, I'm to happen. I'm happy to that's wait. True. Well, yeah,
4: we're, we're going to be waiting for a while, so yeah. it's good.
2: I wonder when the Panthers are going to be in the finals. <laughs> uh, <Again>. Never. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be the Panthers by then. Mm. Does it, is it just this season? Just this season. Oh, yes.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, in silver position this year was Collingwood. With 15 wins, 5 losses, and a large percentage of 128.8. Yes. Cold
4: so back in yes. the four. This is it. Cal- Captain by Albie Panem, coached by Jock McHale, their lead goal kicker, Des Fothergill, with 62. And yeah, Back in the four, as you said, this is their mm. first time they've made it in five years, mm. which I believe is the long the longest, the longest yeah, ever
5: exactly.
4: yep. time that they haven't made finals.
0: Oh,
5: my yep. God. Um,
4: <laughs> some debutantes for them included
0: Murray Murrell, <laughs> Neil Mann, Len Fitzgerald, and Bill Toomey. Oh. Can you tell us a bit about Bill Toomey?
2: Bill Toomey Jr. would never forget his first night at training under Jock McHale. I didn't know whether I'd, I had met Jock or not, but uh, he called me to the center of the ground, and he said, um, what's your name? And I said, Bill Toomey. And he said to me, oh, you're Bill's son. He even said to me, how do you reckon you will like playing um, in the first game? I was already a Collingwood player. In other words, no matter what I did down there, I had already been selected. And that's what I found very strange.
4: (laughs) Ah, odd. Yeah, I like it. Now, hang on, Bill Toomey, did he play for Collingwood? His father did, yes. Bill Toomey Senior. Yeah, Yeah. okay, Collingwood. twenties.
0: That's, that's what we we're talking about it's, it's Bill. No, I know. I know. Bill, that's why I was yeah, confused. Yeah. I
4: thought Bill Toomey played for Carlton for some reason. No. No, no. Anyway, I'm
0: mm. confused. Um, now, Ron Todd and Dez Fothergill again wanted to come back from the VFA. Mm. Um, Des Fothergill was welcomed back with open arms. Ron Todd, not so much. Ron Todd, well, there was, discuss- there was a lot of discussion about it. They said, we'll have a committee meeting. So Ron Todd came to the club and he had to sit outside the committee room while the uh, while the committee discussed it. And he sat there and he sat there and he could hear them arguing over his return. Some of them just so angry that he'd left for all that money he was. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, he could hear the hate that some of the members were spitting towards him. And
4: he'd been there so long, he just got up and left. Fair
0: enough. Yeah. He uh, he went over to, back to Williamstown. I think he kicks 180 goals. Well, of course he does.
4: I can't believe there was even a conversation about it. Ron yeah. Todd just kicked hundreds of goals. Yeah. And they're um, arguing about having him back. Yep. The community said, so he was officially—that's it. That's it. Ex- Cut off their nose despite their face, they Colin did. Woodward yes. o-
0: officially excommunicated from the club. All Typical. benefits and past player benefits were taken away from yeah. him. Hmm. Flipped his picture. Yeah, yeah, cool. Um, as you said, Alby Panham Dude. was named captain, just like his grandfather had been in uh, 1905, I think it was. Mm. Um, and just like, and if his son Alby Panham Junior, uh, Senior was captain coach of South Melbourne. Yeah, where we had to sit out for all those years that's right for <laughs> yeah. um, three
4: years Yeah. so round one
0: they really looked like the Collingwood of old that everyone kind of knew of with a strong win over North Melbourne um, then by round four their engine room was starting to hum nicely like a win over Hawthorne uh, the paper naming Richards, Panham and Fothergill as a menace to the opposition um, and those three names we know pretty well as well. So That's when you start it. hearing mm. them... Blue lip. Round six, they beat a highly fancied Carlton at Victoria Park, Father Gill kicking five. Suddenly the Pies were you know being talked of as serious contenders again. Um, however, round eight, they were put in their place by Fitzroy to the tune of 95 points. Fitzroy's 93rd best win. They'd only lose two more games for the season, though, and they'd finish in the top four, their first time in five years. Uh, in However... Round 19, they had a 26-point win over Fitzroy. Captain Elby Panham damaged some cartilage in a knee, um, which meant he was probably going to miss finals. He had a a RAAF game coming up in a few weeks, so he tested his knee in that game just before finals and broke down again, meaning he would miss South Melbourne's finals.
3: Mm. Uh, In first place this season was South Melbourne with 16 wins, four losses and a percentage of 131.8.
4: Yes, so uh, captained by Herb Matthews, their coach was uh, William Bull Adams. Ex Fitzroy player. Yeah, their lead goal kicker Laurie Nash with 56. Yeah, Nash is back,
0: hadn't Mm. played many games since the VFA closed down and he had to front the permits committee to try and plead his case. Um, And there was a bit of a palaver over this as well, but in the end he was allowed to play.
2: He would have talked his way out of it? Absolutely. Mm. Supposedly
0: (laughs) in in an intra-club practice game, he was opposed to um, South Melbourne State fullback Jim Cleary. Kicked nine goals. (laughs) Um, And we also had the debutante, some debutantes. We've got William Williams. (laughs) Okay, God. Um, And Ron Clegg. Kaz, do you want to tell us a little bit about Ron Clegg? Ron Clegg,
2: strong, courageous, solid in the ground, on the ground. <laughs> solid sub- in the ground. <laughs> superb in the air, and a marvellous kick with either foot. South Melbourne's Ron Clegg was arguably one of the finest key position players ever. I feel like I'm saying that a, long, a lot of times. Winner of the Brownlow Medal in 1949 after a season spent mainly at centre half back. Yeah. How many wow. back when won the ground the Um He was every bit as effective at centre-half forward, where he fronted up against Carlton in, in the infamous Bloodbath Grand Final in 1945, or indeed in any other key position.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. So round
0: one at home, they were Junction Oval um, because Lakeside Oval was still being occupied by soldiers. Um, another Lakeside pennant match here against St Kilda.
4: Laurie Nash's debut... Oh, comeback, not delivery. How exciting to get to play in a pennant. Oh, I know. <laughs> the one,
0: beat up on the Saints, um, the Panthers, to go three wins up in the in the uh, Lakeside pennant. That's 5-8 uh, now, if anyone's keeping score like me. <laughs> That's their grandfather. And the, uh, the Swannies actually went unbeaten in their first five games with Nash starring. He kicked 14 goals across those five games. What a legend. But in the game against Footscray, he would tear the webbing of his hands and was subsequently... Oh. The infection in that kept him out. Uh, so he, he missed the next game, which was a loss to North Melbourne. In mid-June, George Doherty, who was a Geelong player, was told by the Cats that uh, they were following a youth policy and there probably wasn't a spot for him and he wouldn't get a game, so feel free to look for another team. When South heard about this, they sent Joe Kelly, the club secretary, down to uh, secure his signature. They rocked up to uh, Doherty's workplace and were not let in, so they had to wait for two over two hours outside his work to wait for him to, uh, to sign him up. And he was a bit of a goal kicker as well. Uh, So in round nine, former Carlton, Footscray, and Geelong player George Doherty debuted for the club in a game against the Hawks, kicking seven. Wow. Well, it kind of justifies him coming if he's kicking that many. Yeah, absolutely. Um, In round 12, the Swannies were again well served by Laurie Nash, who kicked seven goals against the Panthers, and the Swans swept the Lakeside Series against St. (laughs) St. Kilda. So that's 9-5. They're four up. However, in this game, Brownlow medalist Herbie Matthews and uh, forward Keith Smith refused to play. Well,
4: they refused to play in the where positions. they were supposed yeah. to. They yeah. wanted
0: to play in the positions they've been given. <laughs> Which again, pride.
4: Yeah, I, but I, yeah. But where were they where did Bull want them to play? Like and why? Why um, are you moving around the medal winner from the position like position. So yeah. they
0: refused to play, so therefore they, they would were drop dumped the next game for the yeah. next game again. So it was no surprise they lost South not lost to Collingwood. Mm. Um, but this matter seems to be settled the two team the two players came back in and then South won seven of their last matches to finish a game clear on top. Mm. Um, in round 14, it was a great game against Richmond in front of 33,000 fans. Um, the following incident occurred that we will reenact.
3: In one passage of play, Laurie Nash marked near Jack Dyer, 60 metres from goal.
4: Ah, this game gets easier as you get older, Jack. Nominate the foot. Which
3: foot should I use, left or right? Use your left, you clown! Nash obliged, finessing the ball with his <laughs> left foot. Jack watched it float high, break back and spear through the middle of the posts.
4: I'm giving lessons tomorrow morning at Yarra Park, Jack. 11am sharp, I'll expect you there.
0: <laughs> Doesn't that just sum up Jack Dyer and, and Laurie, Laurie Nash. Nash? It's so good. <laughs> That's from the uh, the Laurie Nash book I've got, The Great Laurie Nash. That is just... Champagne Isn't that <laughs> Even at 35 He's just got quips like that yeah. Just nailing him from 60 <laughs> That's it yeah. Um,
4: yeah Imagine saying that a 60 metres Now <laughs> <hour>, Which
0: <footcher> should <laughs> <laughs> are you
4: He really walks
2: the line Of um, sheer Like uh, You know he, it, he means it But also a little bit Tangent Yeah yeah Absolutely
4: yeah. Yeah. yeah he's got so many Tickets on himself But he's getting away With it a little he, bit He's
0: it's getting great.
5: away with it. Yes exactly
0: um, Final two games of the season Bull Adams pulled a Ross line And rested Laurie Nash um, they beat the Demons at Punt Road. The Swan, Swans kicked two goals to start this game, then 12 behinds in a row before yeah. their next major. But their class saw them run out 19-point winners um, and saw them finish a game clear on top. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Um, so, our last season with no Brownlow medalist, moles.
3: Yes, the last Back. year. But the, Herald, the Melbourne Herald voted Des Fothergill, the Footballer of the Year which doesn't sound too shocking mm. of a decision. Mm. And Jack Graham, Jack Graham of South Melbourne was awarded the champion of the colony. Mm. Mm. Oh, a okay. was mm. we'll it?
0: The champion of the colony is still kicking around for another few years. But mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't need to refer to it again. We've got the uh, no, we yeah, love like the brown I love the champion of the colony. Mm. Yeah,
4: it's <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantastic award. This <laughs> really makes good. no sense most of the time. That's <laughs> great. <laughs>
0: right, so let's uh, let's journey. check in with big red, big red as well. See what's uh, what's happening in the VFA. Let's tell us a bit about Fothergill, maybe, and and what's happening over there.
6: Big Red's Local Footy Roundup, for your state and suburban football action, sinking our teeth into the grassroots football. G'day Kick Team, welcome to the Roundup for the 1945 season of football from around this great country. First, we take a look at the Sandville, where the 66th season of competition was the first since 1941, where we had eight, all eight competing teams playing in the home and away season after the reduced seasons and mergers during the war years. Port Adelaide led by Bob Quinn were the dominant side of the season, but were beaten convincingly in the last game of the year by West Torrens. A record crowd of 47,500 fans stormed to the Adelaide Oval to see Port jump out of the gates early with a 32-point lead at quarter time, but with only one goal four to West's seven goals four in the second quarter, the scores were again quite close at the main break. West Torrens dominated scoring in the second half but were very inaccurate, finishing with 40 scoring shots for 15-25-115 to Port's 27 scoring shots and 15-12-102. The West Torrens side, uh, their win is their third recorded premiership in their history. In 1945, Port had recruited the services of Hayden Bunton Sr. for their season throughout 1945, and he didn't disappoint with a strong individual season. The 1945 Grand Final was the last game of football played by the legend of the game. The newly named Ken Farmer Award for the Sandful leading goal kicker was won by first-time winner Stanley Scott from bottom of the table side South Adelaide with 64 goals for the season. The McGarry Medal winner is a really special one this year, and the research and reflections were a great honour for me to be a part of. The 1945 McGarry McGarry Medal winner was Bob Quinn from Port Adelaide with 45 votes, an amazing 17 votes clear of runner-up Doug Olds. Bob Quinn is a true legend of our great game, and in 1996, he was recognised by receiving an induction into the Australian Football Hall of Fame. Quinn was a crafty and pacey on baller who dazzled crowds with run, ball carrying skills, and regular goals. And in 1936 and 1937, being his fourth and fifth years for Port, he was the runner up in the McGarry Medal uh, and then uh, had the first of his two wins in 1938. By 1939, he was the captain coach of Port before enlisting in the Army in 1940 and joining our forces overseas. While in the Army, Bob won a military medal for his bravery, which he earned while saving the lives of other men while being critically injured himself. It was thought at the time that the injuries he sustained to his face arm, and leg would end his football career. However, on his return to South Australian football in 1944, he managed 12 games for the Port Torrens uh, merger side. While playing for uh, Port Torrens, Torrens in a final in that 1944 season, Bob had badly broken his already previously injured arm and dislocated his thumb, yet he continued to play so that he didn't let his team down. And how he must have overcome that pain is truly remarkable. We then know that Bob, while playing for Port in 1945, has had a stellar individual season to record his second McGarry medal win, an absolutely astounding feat. Uh, while playing um, as a representative, uh, in a representative game for South Australia, the doctor who saved um, Bob's life while uh, he sustained, after he sustained those injuries during war uh, saw his name on the South Australian team sheet and decided he had to get to the game to check it out. When he got to the game, he saw Bob Quinn a dazzling, um, in a dazzling performance representing South Australia, and he was quoted after the game as saying to Bob, I did a pretty good job on that leg, didn't I? So even the doctor didn't think he'd be playing again, but there he was. Uh, a little side note is that Bob Quinn, the Port legend, and Hayden Bunton Sr., uh, the football legend, played together in that same Port Adelaide team, which was coached by Bob Quinn. Uh, in 1945, the crowds enjoyed seeing Bunton and Quinn, sharing the ball with each other, and uh, sharing great displays of their skills and athleticism. Over to the Waffle, uh, where they head into their 61st season of competition uh, and where the start of the season is also taken over by some off-field politics. The league had become an underage competition during the Second World War and it was trying very hard to maintain its under-19 year old status during the 1945 season. This was met with anger by the men returning from war service and wanting to rejoin their previous teams. It was decided uh, by the league just before the start of the season that the age restriction be extended to under 25 years of age. However, this again was, wasn't very well received by star players returning to football from war service, many of whom would have been forced into early retirement or to play in the minor leagues throughout Western Australia. Then finally, coming to their senses on the eve of Round 1, the league returned to its open age status and players happily returned to their clubs and football began. The season saw some clubs stick with their young lists as they had proven skilled over the war years, but unfortunately, as many of the more mature bodies returned to the waffle, these teams fell away dramatically. One of these included East Perth, whose 1944 side dominated the season and were undefeated and premiers of that year. They chose to stick with their young list, but fell to 6th in 1945. The grand final was played between returning powerhouses East Fremantle and West Perth in front of 21,000 fans at Subiaco Oval. The score for the match, uh, match was 12-15-87 uh, to 7 51 in a match that was dominated by East Fremantle's forward line led by waffle legend George Doig. The win to East Fremantle is the club's 20th waffle premiership. 1945 also saw the first time an award given to the best player in a grand final in Australian sport. The Simpson Medal for the best player in the Waffle Grand Final was awarded to Alan Ebbs from East Fremantle for his efforts on the day. Our leading Waffle goal kicker for the season was Bill Baker from West Perth with 91 majors for the season. The Sandover Medal is won by George Bailey from Perth Football Club. Bailey had two stints over in the VFL um, for Carlton and was a member of the winning 1947 Carlton Premiership side. Over to the VFA and with the resumption of football after the Second World War, the VFA is in the 64th year of competition. During the war years, the VFL continued to play uh, and more than 200 players from the VFA had joined the VFL to continue playing. Once the VFA announced it would be resuming for the 1945 season, most of these players were wanting to return to their old clubs. However, the VFA had placed a suspension of five years on any player who was wanting to return from the VFL to the VFA, a decision that continued to highlight the tensions between the two competitions. Coburg had an undefeated home and away season during 1945, but in a couple of close finals, the Coburg team were bounced out in straight sets, leaving the door open for Williamstown to secure their fourth premiership. The grand final between Williamstown and Port Adelaide was a rather one-sided affair, with goal-kicking legend Ron Todd from Williamstown kicking six goals in the grand final to effectively have kicked the winning margin off his own boot. The final scores for the game were 16-21-117 to 10-20-80. The game was played at the Junction Oval, the then-named St Kilda Cricket Ground, in front of 39,000 fans. Now, this is a massive number of fans. If you've ever been to this ground before, you would look around and wonder where on earth they fit all of the people. The association's leading goal kicker in a record-breaking season was Ron Todd from Williamstown with an association record of 188 goals for the season, breaking Bob Pratt's 183 goals in the 1941 season. The Feats also smashed the national record of 152 goals set by Western Australian footballer George Doig. Uh, Ron Todd's uh, 188 goals is not recognised as a national record due to the different rules that the VFA were playing under at the time, which is a real shame. After many years of running two awards for the best player in the uh, the season, 1945 saw the introduction of the JJ Liston Medal for the association's Best Player of the Year, an award named after long-time former president John John James Liston, who unfortunately had died the previous year. The inaugural winner of the JJ Liston Trophy was Eric Beard from Oakley Football Club, who was the dominant player for the bottom of the table side. In the VAFA, the Uni Blacks have completed a three-peat, while down and Tassie, North Hobart, have won five premierships in a row. Their fifth win coming after two seasons of recess during the Second World War. Other winners included Golden Point and Golden Square from the Bendigo and Ballarat Leagues, respectively. And everyone, that wraps up the 1944 season. Excuse me. That wraps up the nineteen forty-five season. Until next time, kick straight. Now let's get to finals.
0: So, interesting fact. So it's a completely new final four, mm-hmm. but also the winner of the last four premierships is not in this final. So the last four premiers: Fitzroy, Essendon, Richmond, and Rich- Melbourne.
4: None of them made the finals. None of them
3: made the finals. Wow. The finals. I like it As a serious turnaround. Mm, it's good for the game. Yeah, it's good for the game. And That's we've got we we've got North Melbourne.
0: So the first
4: final was North Melbourne v Carlton. Mm. Carlton coming off six straight wins at this stage. Yeah,
0: really building momentum. Um, so played again, so the finals again this season were played at Princess Park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, they were at Junction Oval. I don't know why they went back to Princess Park. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is the last Probably year. capacity, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this game, Carlton's on-bowlers established their dominance early on. They maintained that pressure throughout the day. The first quarter of 5-3 to 4-behinds really set the game up for them. Yeah, it didn't adjust. North were completely outplayed. Um, the whole, you know, playing finals for the first time. I feel like Carlton always get these teams that are playing for the first time and kind of beat up on yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Lance Collins kicked eight and Bert Deacon was sensational in defence. So, final scores, Charlie?
4: Final scores were North Melbourne's 8-20-68 to Carlton's 14-10-94. Mm. Yes, yeah, so Carlton by, Carlton by 26. By 26, in front of 54,846 people. Yes. Oh, wow. mm. Which brings us to the next semi-final... South, South Melbourne, Melbourne versus Collingwood. Oh, so flashback
0: to the thirty-five, thirty-six. Yeah,
4: premierships. A week later, in front of slightly fewer people, forty-six thousand two hundred and twenty-four. Mm. Very uh, even to start with. It was
0: so Collingwood, obviously without Albie Panem, led in the ruck by led in led by ruckman Alan Williams, who took over the captaincy for him. Uh, game was over. Umpired early. Kaz mm. twenty-four free kicks paid in the first twenty minutes. What? Yeah. <laughs>
4: Ridiculous. Uh,
0: Father Gill was being closely checked and kicked four behinds in a row at one point. Stabbing his authority on the game. That's it. (laughs) Collingwood took the lead into half time, but a devastating uh, third quarter by South Melbourne, where they kicked eight goals, three, set up their win. Nash kicked three goals in the third quarter, and the Suns took a 17-point lead into the last. However, two quick goals to Collingwood brought them within five points, and things look like, you know, it's going to get close, but who should take a high-flying mark and kick a steadying goal for the Swans? Of course it was Laurie Nash. Laurie Nash. Mm. Uh, Did it with his eyes closed yeah. I hear Nash and Castles Kicked four goals Each <laughs> Best players were Jack Graham Castles Grossman Matlock Clegg and Smith Final scores Charlie
4: uh, Final scores were uh, South Melbourne's 13-10-88 Running out on top of Collingwood's 11-11-77 Going through Ooh. to the Grand
0: final <laughs> Now Here's a, a, a an interesting f- sad fact.
4: Yes, 1945 second
0: semi final was South Melbourne's last ever finals win as South. As Melbourne. South Melbourne, yep. Oh. The club didn't play finals again until 1970. Didn't the Swans didn't win a final until 1996.
4: As massive Breaking rights for Laurie now. Yeah. So they didn't <laughs> play finals again until '70 when they were still South Melbourne, yeah. but they didn't win a final. Uh, yeah. Uh, until they'd move. Until until
0: 1996. Oh, I, oh. I hope it was against in, Hawthorne uh, Yeah. A 51 year gap. Oof. Yeah. Which gets us to the prelim, which many people call as bloodthirsty as the ground. Yes. Final. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Words were now, exchanged. before we get into this game, Moz, something happened to Bob Chitty in the lead-up.
3: Yes, it did. So, Bob was a leading hand at the explosive factory in Maribyrnong,
1: Perhaps.
3: which meant that he was exempt from military service due to the nature of his employment. Yeah. And Bob mm. was running late for the prelim, and the hierarchy were getting extremely anxious. It was only 15 to 20 minutes before the opening bounce when Bob finally arrived in a taxi, still dressed in his work clothes. He had a bandage on his hand and it was covered in iodine. Mm. Asked what had happened, Chitty replied that he had knocked the top off my effing finger. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Um... it wasn't remembered whether he'd been treated at an emergency ward or just at the factory first aid station. <laughs> 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 the doctor examined the finger as Chitty was helped into his Carlton uniform. The doctor opined that he would be unable to play, but Bob just said, I'm playing. Amazing.
4: <laughs> I'll tell you what, Moz, oh, so maybe that was you, are, you are a uh, queen of uh, digit losing news. Yeah. Oh, yes, <laughs> they're my
3: favourite.
4: Yeah, you're all over the digit pack.
2: Mueller and Shitty,
3: three down, three, <laughs> three, digits three fingers down.
2: down. Okay, well, West Coast chick.
4: Uh, there's yeah. Yeah, 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 is okay. one of my favourite ones. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a few more in between.
0: <laughs> Can't wait. Um, Collingwood named Len Hustler as full forward as a surprise selection. And well, Hustler was usually a ruckman, wasn't he? I yeah, believe. And look, hadn't really played many games. Yeah. Um, Perce Bentley warned his players to expect a hard close check from him. He was a bit of a... They thought Doc McHale had brought him in as a bit of a enforcer.
4: Yeah, wrecking ball.
0: Yep. Game was played on the cold and windy Saturday. Collingwood jumped the Blues early on, getting out to a 26-point lead. Hustler flattened Carlton fullback Vin Brown. Mm. And as Brown lay stunned on his back, Hustler dropped to his hands and knees to taunt him. <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> what? So it definitely, has been brought in as a stand Yeah, absolutely. He? He, kn- he, I think, before he knocked over Vin Brown, he'd he'd run through a few others as well. Would, yeah, Chitty. I think he ripped Chitty's finger off. Actually, yeah, <laughs> I think Chitty had oh, a oh, special guard
0: for it. <laughs> no, I was just being silly. But really, yeah, there was a special guard oh. that either he knocked off or someone knocked off, and Chitty threw it to the ground and just kept playing. Yeah, of course. He um, did. Speaking of Chitty, in the second quarter, he really went to work on Dead's Fothergill been yes. pushing, pulling his hair pulling his jockstrap <laughs> um, <laughs> no so, so much so that, that legend has it and this might be could, it could, could be made up by a little Lou bit Richards. of mayo on this one well Lou Richards said this in his book and Fothergill has since denied it and I think others have as well Fothergill supposedly asked Jock McHale at halftime you know, what do I do about Chitty? Jock McHale's response, be a man Lots of fights continued in the third quarter, but the Pies added five goals to the Blues, too. And an early goal to in the last quarter to Fothergill saw the Pies up by 35 points, bound for another grand final.
1: Mm.
0: However, from here, Carlton took over. Hustler again took out Vic Brown, and a melee ensued, but Perce Bentley swung a few changes. Um, this saw Lance Collins kick four goals. So much so, the, the tide had changed so much so that by the time the bell rang, the Blues had piled on seven goals, three and run out 10-point winners. So Many people had said this is bloodier and nastier than the grand final. Hustler was suspended for three weeks from this and would never play in the VFL again. Oh, really? Mm. Um, following the game as well, Collingwood claimed that Fothergill had cracked and chipped teeth and would be off work for at least two weeks. So, again, that simmering hate between those two teams. Mm. Mm-hmm. Also... Um, the Colton player that gets suspended
4: what's his name oh yeah um, uh, t- 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 hang on Grossman no no I, I've
0: got this as it's well it's suspended from
4: the preliminary
0: well he gets suspended twice so Fitz,
4: Fitz, Fitz Fitzgibbon oh
0: yes, yes of course. Um, also Fred Fitzgibbon is reported for striking Hustler, Hustler. and found guilty so, suspended for three weeks that was
4: after the after Hustler knocked Vin Brown oh. to the ground Fitz fits ran eighty meters from the wing and just smashed him with an elbow. <laughs> uh, yeah, and yeah, went down for eight, oh, was an four accident. matches. Mm. Four matches from there. Um, mm.
0: This gets us to the bloodbath. The bloodbath. Here it is. is. The bloodbath <laughs> played on twenty twenty ninth of September at Princess Park
4: in front of a large crowd, sixty two
0: thousand nine hundred eighty six people. And we've got to say, having. The finals at Princess Park really advantages Carlton as well. Oh,
4: massively. Mm.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, this season's been all geared towards let's just do what we can for Carlton. Let's give them twenty rounds to make the finals. Let's make the finals at their home ground. <sighs> <laughs> South Melbourne were furious fancy. about oh, what it. an investigation. <laughs>
2: yeah. So South Melbourne were fancy though.
0: Yeah, they were, were the they were the favourites. Yeah, oh absolutely, absolutely. Right absolutely. Well they, they didn't want them to win,
4: did they? Yeah.
0: Mm. Um now, this might be a bit of an interesting conversation. Yes. Because um, we know Bob Chitty might not be in the best, of, uh, best frame of mind, but we're going to try and give <coughs> him a call.
4: And go back to him. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, hey, Bob, uh, congratulations on the win. Uh, thanks for talking to us after such a big game.
2: Uh, hey, nice to talk to you. Big game. Yeah.
4: How- Bob, how are you feeling?
2: Yeah, fine, thanks.
4: Uh, who is this? Uh b- Bob b- it's the kick to kick to team. Uh we we just wanted to check in with you yeah. after the game and see how you're going.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, uh, looking to the grand final now.
4: Um you,
0: Bob Bob you you just won the grand final? We did.
2: That's great. Hang on. Uh, who am I talking to?
0: Um Bob how did tell us about what happened with Ron Clegg?
2: Um Clegg's done. Uh, well, hell of a bloke. Um, was he playing today?
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Yeah, can you tell us a bit about what Pers Bentley said before the game?
2: Well, Pers, you know what he's like. Uh, well, I caught up with him. I think uh, last week it was. Uh, so he, he was playing too. Hey, we, 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 he would have been fantastic.
0: Bob, what, what do you think is going to happen at the tribunal? Do you think you go? Uh, do you think your number was taken?
2: Yes. Um, Foot. For what I I can't exactly say right now. I probably probably laid out somebody at some stage. That's all part of the I, game, there.
0: Bob, who who do you think was best on ground?
2: Well, uh, I mean, we had Fothergill gliding along there, did we? So uh, did I see him out there?
0: I think I think last week you saw <laughs> Fothergill. Last last week I think you actually laid him out.
2: <laughs> well, well, it obviously didn't do it hard enough. Did it?
0: Um Bob, do do you remember anything about Laurie Nash's hit on you in the last quarter?
2: Well, uh, he was talking up a big game, and uh, he said he said he was coming for somebody. And uh, it must have been a good hit, because I didn't feel anything.
4: Alright, Bob, uh, um, uh, any chance uh, you could uh, pass the phone over to somebody else, mate?
2: Uh, who would you like me to pass that over uh, to?
4: Whoever, whoever.
2: Well, uh, sorry to say, we've got a lot of dignitaries here at this game. <laughs> I'll see if I can find one in the crowd for you. want Do you, you want to talk to the Prime Minister? Yeah, yeah that sounds great, Bob. Okay. Just give me oh, gimme a sec.
0: Hello. Um Hello, this this
4: is the guys from Kick to Kick. Who who are we talking to now?
5: Oh good day guys, it's Vin Brown here. Yeah.
4: Oh Vin, uh, fantastic. Uh, how lucky we are to get onto you, mate. Uh, Bob's not sounding too great. How's he going?
5: Oh look he's definitely been better. Hopefully by tomorrow he remembers that we won the flag.
0: Uh
4: well he's hoping. Uh now we've got you Vin. Would you mind having a bit of a chat about the year? Sure thing. Alright, well first, can I just say congratulations, Uh, what a year it's been, but it wasn't looking good uh, near the middle, was it?
5: Nah, we were definitely half asleep for the first part of the year, not sure what it was, but we just could get our game together. We thought after last year we'd have all the parts, but the pick up of Clinton Wines and Ken Hands in those early weeks helped us out a lot. We hadn't been terrible, but we weren't great either. And then when push came to shove, we just turned it up a notch.
0: Well that notch proved to be above everyone else, winning every game after the round 14 loss to Essendon. What did you change going into those games particularly?
5: Well, I think getting Lance Collins back up the front helped a lot. He kicked a few bags of goals and just gave us an avenue to score a bit more.
4: Well, you almost didn't make it into the finals, but your win over Footscray in that final round helped you in, uh, and then set you up for that semi against North.
5: Yeah, and we got out, ha- got out hard, knowing that they would be as well. They were pumped up about their fir- their first finals appearance. Collins kept up going as well, kicking eight I think and our strong start definitely helped us after that first quarter. It was a real slog.
0: So then the prelim against Collingwood, who South managed to beat to uh, shore up a spot in the grand final. Yeah,
5: Collingwood were a very physical side. Nothing can beat to today, but tough nevertheless. Len Hustler was throwing his weight around down back and copped me a fair whack when the ball was down the other end of the field. I'll tell you, Bob was not happy about that and made it pretty clear to Des Fothergill. Fizz <laughs> wasn't impressed either. I just remember him steaming in from the wing and knocking Len flat. He missed this game because of that, but he had my back, that's for sure.
4: So mate, after all that, let's get to today's game. As you mentioned, it was rough from the beginning. What do you reckon kicked it off? There
5: was definitely tension all through the week, and of course there is before a grand final, but because of the Collingwood match, we are all a bit on edge. We knew we had to play hard, and I think South were told to front up to us a bit especially knowing that they were a hot favourite. They were after us from the start, as well as with a bit of a niggle. Chitty got a big hit on Billy Williams early on, and I don't know if that was the beginning, but it definitely escalated from there.
0: So he got out to a lead in the first, uh, but then South took over with a couple of goals to Nash and Ken Smith early in the second.
5: Yeah, there was a real wrestle for the lead, literally and figuratively. Lots of cheap shots thrown by both sides. I remember after Bob Flatt and Bron Cleek he got up and almost took the free kick in the wrong direction.
4: Yeah, then it moved from the field into the stands as well, Vin.
5: Yeah, they were pretty incensed with what was happening, and the Carlton Heavy crowd began to throw their weight around. Coming in at halftime, I could hear some of the things that they were yelling at South. I'm glad I'm a, I'm, a, I'm in blue, I'll tell you that.
0: So up by two at halftime, what was the plan for the second half?
5: Honestly, it was just to hold on. The game was unlike any I'd ever played. We just needed to keep our heads on and keep an eye on the ball. Even if there was a plan, when Chitty got hit by Nashi, it all went out the window.
4: Yeah, that was a heavy hit. Um, we heard him before, but Bob is obviously still in a bit of trouble with it.
5: Yeah, it was big. The trainers who picked him up reckon he was 90% unconscious, even in the forward pocket. No one could believe he kicked that goal.
0: Unbelievable. So in a tough match, you managed to get away with a great win, becoming the first team under the Paige McIntyre system to win from fourth.
5: Is that right? That's pretty good, isn't it?
4: Well Vin, thanks so much for your time, and congrats on the win, and finishing the game best on ground.
5: Oh cheers guys, I don't know about that. Hands and price kicking three each made a huge difference, and we couldn't have done it without them working as a team.
0: Modest to the end, enjoy the celebrations Vin, you deserve it.
5: Cheers. <coughs>
1: um,
0: Alright, so Carlton. Yeah, conspiracy running out winners in the grand final.
4: In yeah,
1: um, I
0: look
4: <laughs> as you said before. I think uh, like the chat that the Collingwood Carlton game might have been a bit rougher. I don't think it was. I think the bloodbath is the bloodbath. Like it was a ridiculously
0: <laughs> a hard bit, bit match. A bit of beat up by the, the media as well. Mm. Um, well. Tim,
2: didn't we have uh, the uh, list of the most violent grand finals, um, or is it
0: just
4: Probably, a list yeah. of yeah. games and somewhere? Is it's it's in one of those books? Yeah. Uh, and is this one up there or oh, is this absolutely.
0: I'll look into that Kaz. I'm yeah, I'm oh. absolutely sure there is, you're right. It's somewhere out there. Um so goals for Carlton, hands and price kick three, Baxter and Mooring two, Bennett, Chitty, McLean, Savage and Wines with one. For South Melbourne, Castle's three, Lyndon, Nash and Smith with two and Richards with one. Best for Carlton were Brown, Sanger, Baxter, Chitty, Wines and McLean. A um, few things come out of this as well. Um, supposedly pre game South had promised each player twenty pounds if they'd won. Oh, really? A huge amount of money. Um, and my, one of my favorite quotes, so following the game, in, once Ron Clegg had retired, um, he was out at a, at a function and someone asked him what had happened. And he's like, "He's like, what happened in the bloodbath? And, and Ron Clegg replied, look, I'm not going to give you any names. Uh, Mum's the word, but his initials were Bob Chitty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, we also have some, some audio from Ken Hands. From about playing in this game, which we'll have a quick listen to. Uh, yeah, in the
1: game in 45. Um, in the parts that I remember about it, we were crossing over at, at quarter time, and Jack Williams of South Melbourne had made some comment to the umpire that Carlton should have been six goals in front, as as we had a a fairly strong breeze in the in that uh, first quarter, but we didn't make much headway, and then in the second quarter was when all the problems erupted. I'd been uh, was moving around quite a lot at centre half forward and uh, under instruction and Herbie Matthews was was going crook at Jack Williams because he wasn't minding me and uh, and I'd moved off to the flank and taken a mark and um, somebody in the Carlton side kicked a goal it went back to the centre and I remember quite clearly Rodden McLean got the ball hooked it with his left foot Jack Williams had moved up towards the centre of the ground and I had dropped back took a mark ran on kicked a goal now I can't describe any more of that game for you until we get to the end. Um, so and there
0: was some, there was a quite a lengthy tribunal. Yeah. Following this as well, down at Harrison House. Yep. On the Tuesday, mm. chaired by uh, McC- Bill McClellan himself.
4: Yeah. Good. Get um, the big guns in.
0: It's, it's some really interesting things happened here. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Lots. Um, so Ted Whitfield, he received the most severe penalty. Was suspended for 31. Matches. Sorry, 19. 19. It was and then in, until the until the thirty first of November of December nineteen forty six, for his incident when he with uh, goal umpire Les White in the final quarter, he used a v- a abusive language, attempted to strike him, and then. When the umpire tried to report him, he took his jumper up over his head and ran off down the field. <laughs> Classic. Um, he also didn't appear
4: at the tribunal because he had bought tickets to a South Melbourne dance and didn't want to lose his money. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. So he um, lo- so he was suspended for 21 matches altogether. Sorry, 19 for attempting to strike the goal umpire yeah. and then two more for kicking the ball away after right. a free kick was paid against him. But
0: also, did you read about his, pre- his pre-game ritual?
4: No. Supposedly, before a game, he, he downed six
0: beers at the pub. <laughs> So maybe that has something to do with uh, <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> oh His decision God. making. <laughs> yeah. So he was actually sacked by South Melbourne a few weeks later and, and wouldn't play again. Mm. Jack Williams, uh, Basher Williams. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nicknamed appropriately so, was given uh, suspended for 12 weeks. Yep. Eight weeks for fighting with McLean and four for abusive language. Apparently he when he first got said you know when they first said Jack uh, you've been given eight weeks they're like he's like what how long. Yeah. Like eight weeks. Like oh I thought you said years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so eight weeks doesn't seem so bad, does it? <laughs> it. Um, do you wanna go through some of the other ones, y- Um
4: you, Charlie? Y- is you. Yes, I, I shall. Uh so Chitty from Chitty, Sav- and Savage from Carlton got uh eight matches. And Don Grossman and uh, Cleary, Jim Cleary from uh mm. South were suspended for eight matches as well. And Fitzgibbon received another four games even though he'd already been suspended the game before because he Mm. came back on the field. Jim,
0: the gentleman Cleary. Well, yeah, and so
4: (laughs) it was a lot of people and the other person who was hands felt he was very hardly done by there because Mm. they were both going for a contested Mm. mark in the air. They had no choice but to go for it and Cleary copped it. Obviously, because of the heat of the game, they would have thought there was more to it. Uh,
2: was it not yeah. Savage that broke his leg as well?
4: Savage.
0: Well, right? Actually, Savage broke um, Herbie Matthews' leg last season, 44, at the uh, in round one. So, yeah, there was a bit of animosity there. Yeah, well, yeah, this has all been simmering. Savage, it so, yeah. uh, doesn't talk about exactly what he did. He broke Herbie Matthews' leg in round one of 1944. So no, so but in that, this game, oh, okay. it doesn't talk uh, about yeah, exactly I what got he that did.
4: Oh, yeah. um, well, you got some things
3: there? Yeah, did you see the, uh, the quote from the Southman when Williams asked him why Hans was unconscious?
4: No. And the
3: South man um, allegedly replied that he thought it may have been a case of sunstroke. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds right. This yeah.
4: just down for a nap.
1: Um, and
4: I'm, I can't believe that Chitty only got eight games. Yeah, yeah geez. blowing Williams. He, was he, did, over points <laughs> he did so mm. many things. <laughs>
0: um, did you go through Herbie Matthews as well? Uh, he was given a... No. Uh, Given, He was severely reprimanded for time-wasting by throwing the ball away after a free kick.
4: Ah, there
1: um, you
0: go. Keith Han, Ken Hans and Keith Smith were the only two not found not guilty. Yep. Um, and also, we have some audio of Jack Jones listening to this game. He talks about listening to this game while waiting to be returned to Australia. So let's we'll have a quick listen to that as well. Yeah, Did
5: well, I we'll, we'll listened to the bloodbath. We listened to the bloodbath. Did you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was 45 when the 45. War pity. Oh, still just sitting you right there. and you were in
4: Bougainville at that stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They had riding out and that
0: there. Hmm. Um, now, finally, I'd like to quickly just plug the book. Like I've got this book called "The Bloodbath: The 1945 VFL Grand Final" by Ian W. Shaw. Really interesting read. Goes through the game in pretty, in a very good detail. Uh, quarter by quarter, and the and the outcome as well, and yeah. the repercussions. Mm.
4: There's a, there's lots of great clips on YouTube as well of yeah. this game. Mm. You're going to check it out. It was,
3: we were watching some just
4: before. Yeah.
0: yeah. Mm. Um, and look, there's a lot of huffing and puffing by the VFL, but in the end, no rules get changed. No. Mm.
4: Well, what what All rules can, play, you really like, oh, can you really change?
0: We need the send off. They always talk about the body send off rule. Don't yeah. They? We need the send off mm. rule. But, yeah. uh, but at the
4: same time, I think like <laughs> the the suspensions given are quite harsh yeah most of them miss the next season and you think about like some of these things like uh, who did we just say um Whitfield got two games for kicking the ball away after a free kick was paid against him imagine that happening today <laughs> yeah. people would be in uproar yeah. missing two games from kicking the ball away yeah. I'm not sure if this is on
2: purpose or not but there was a very clear reference to the umpire not um, playing the ball on he was holding up yeah. the play a lot and yes um, sit, he sat on the ball at one yeah. stage yeah, yeah and that that is, a, that is the opposite of um, what I think yeah what we do now do. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. that's just right get on with the ball yeah. Yeah. The just get on with it that. yeah. right. keep it moving. otherwise they're going to get a score so yeah, yeah. So that, yep. That's
0: one thing. Is that what they they talk about that as well when they, umpire school?
2: Mm, yeah, they <laughs> <laughs> <Umpire school. laughs> sitting down at the front of the road What's next? Yeah, um, no, no, that is exactly what they say. Yeah,
0: get, keep the like play if moving. You, if you see anything, just keep the game going. Yeah,
2: that's right. Play on. You know, yep. the ball's down there. Um, yeah, yeah, and I've seen it
0: work too. <laughs> uh. the uh, The second premiership was won by Footscray. They defeated Fitzroy nine sixteen seventy to nine three uh, fifty seven. Played on the twenty second of September at Victoria Park. Um, and then it gets us to gets me to some retirees, which mm-hmm. is a bit of a lengthy list we've got here. Uh, so leaving us, we have Len Smith, Melbourne Ooh. and Fitzroy, ninety five games. Not the last we've heard of Len though.
4: No, absolutely not. The greatest coach that never really was. Mm.
0: Alan Killigrew of St Kilda, seventy eight games. Joe Selwood from Geelong, one hundred eighty games since nineteen thirty. One flag. Not the last time we'll see a Jay Selwood playing with Geelong. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dan Murray. Sixty-six yeah. games, one flag. Was was the 19th man. Ten years away, Kaz. Ten episodes yes. away. So, on this, I'm going to interrupt.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, on his debut year, we'll, we'll get him in on the episode.
0: Okay. Bill Finlay. Make from that Puts, happen. Footscray and North, 173 games. <laughs> I was expecting more excitement. <laughs> Alan LaFontaine. 171 oh, games, three flags. Yeah. Dick Abicair, Hawthorne and North, 120 games. Marcus Boyle, Collingwood, 50 games. Ron Baggett, Melbourne, 133 games, three yeah. flags. Ron Savage, Carlton, 111 games, one flag. Tommy Reynolds, 113 games, 396 goals, one flag, seven goals in a losing grand final. Um, and often forgotten about, compared yeah. to his brother Dick, we don't yeah really remember. Mm, yeah. Bruce Calverley, Fitzroy, 89 games, one flag. George Doherty, from Carlton, Geelong, Footscray, South Melbourne. Yeah, wow. 173 You're games, 259 goals, one flag. Herbie Matthews never played again in the league. No, he was disgusted after his uh, his report and suspension. 191 games, one flag, one flag, one brown low. and Laurie Nash, 99 games, 246 goals, one flag. So good, average. Mm. So, what a great man. <laughs> um, brings us to the end Just of our show. Ask yes. him, he'll tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly.
4: <laughs> uh, so let's wrap it up. 1945 VFL Premiership goes to Carlton. Carlton. The VFL's leading goal kicker, Fred Fanning of Melbourne, with 67 goals. Kick yeah. them all in one game. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Brownlow went to?
3: Uh, well, Des Fothergill, kind of. <laughs> yeah. The Fov. Yeah. The Fov. The Foth. <laughs> uh, uh, no one last year without no, a yeah, Brownlow. No, yeah. no, but the yeah. Morning yeah. Herald dubbed yeah. him. The Fov. Yeah. The Fod. <laughs> Um St
4: Kilda. Wooden spoon, their thirteenth wooden,
0: wooden spoon. The highest score was Carlton, twenty-three goals, twenty-three, one hundred and sixty-one. Big against Geelong at, at uh, princes Park.
4: Um, we also need to uh, mention, which we didn't before, uh, the Carlton winning the premiership this year was the first time in the new system that a team, a team from team fourth. fourth place had won. Ah. So the team that finished last in the well in the finals at the bottom of the finals had won the grand final. Mm, good stuff. Um, before mm. I get to the premiership tallies, uh, McCracken name award cards. Here's your options:
0: <laughs> Stan Livre, Kevin Callady, Charlie Harbour, Cess Hammer, Bruce Edge, Harold Sillinglaw, Alan Broadway, Don Boo. Bouvet yeah. William Williams <laughs> I have to go with William
1: Williams yeah, yeah. how
0: can course.
4: you do that Do
0: you dial <laughs> <out? laughs>
3: the no. one name yeah,
0: There's only, yeah.
3: anything else <laughs> anything
0: William Williams that's, that's a back to back win for Collingwood there in the McCracken oh, name board
4: at least they're getting something
0: <laughs> they'll be happy they'll be happy with that um, alright Premiership tallies as of 1945 we've got Collingwood with 11 Fitzroy 8 Carlton 7 Essendon 7 Melbourne 5 Richmond 5 Geelong 3 South Melbourne 3 yeah, there you go yeah. mm. well thanks for having me on that's alright <laughs> any, any time. <laughs> you're welcome uh, interesting year 40, uh, 45 the bloodbath it's yeah. been what I've been looking forward to and lived up to expectations it definitely did mm-hmm. yeah. um, especially with the addition
4: of the panthers in there yeah those yeah those silky black guys just streaming around <laughs> yeah. what is going on da-dun, da-dun. what are they thinking <laughs> the panthers <laughs> like the go- like, panthers. I mean the, even the gorillas yeah. you're kind of like what are they what are they doing and then St Kilda have just gone one above
2: yeah, yeah. Uh, that could be their anthem
1: yeah da-dun, da-dun,
4: da-dun, <laughs> da-dun, 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 da-dun. well 45 okay. there you go so yeah, r- absolute ripper. Mm. Um Yeah, well, th- that's it until forty-six. It is. Yeah. No more war news. No more war news. No. The war is over. No. Isn't it Korea? Yeah. We can talk about Korean no. War. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can yeah, no. absolutely. Okay. But, but less, less to do with what's going yeah, on in yeah, Australia. Mm. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I don't want to. I don't want to belittle the Korean War. No, no, by any. No, sense, it does have to be out there. The yeah, comments. absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so until next time. Until next time. Uh, <laughs>
3: To find out more about the kick to kick team and the sources we use, visit our website, wwwkick You can contact us via email at kick at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram under at kick Thanks so much for listening.